Welcome back to the Batcave, fellow Cape Crusaders. This is Batman Returned, and I'm your host, Charlie Ashby. Alongside me is a poor scientist turned bat creature looking to cure deafness. It's Orton Diaz! Well, here I am, emerged from the Schumacher cut, here to podcast with all of you. It's been a while. It has been a while. Um, we were recording the first episode in 2021, which is crazy. Ironically, the season finale. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's pretty funny that things worked out that way. But, you know, it'd be like that in the COVID climate. Uh, but, yeah, we're here to sort of transition out of that first season. Uh, it was a, a great ride revisiting those four films by Burton and Schumacher. And now we're here to sort of take a look at the landscape of what had been uh, going on before you know that that little uh little indie trilogy that followed yeah um i feel like we had a much deserved break after batman and robin you know sometimes look we love the film but you need it you need a break to do to process what happened there well because it's just so good you know you need to come down yeah. from it i had too many like vivid dreams about you know poison ivy in an ape costume and sometimes you just need to get over that for a bit. You have to just, you know, calm down and relax. Yeah, absolutely. But luckily, we don't have to just calm down by ourselves this week, because joining us today is a special guest. He's an artist for Disney Wonderground and works at some small company called Lucasfilm. It's DJ Clulo. You know, I would max out my bad credit card to pay for a date with Ape, Ape Ivy. <laughs> is that with the expiry date of batman forever yes i mean i, I definitely would i i think uh there was a lot of you know things in that scene that could have been explored a lot more i feel that schumacher was denied his creative right by warner brothers because you know i i gotta imagine the studio stepped in and made him do some cuts because i wanted to learn more about how those ape costumes came to be uh you know what they were made out of because they looked incredibly uncomfortable Agreed. Oh, absolutely. There's like nothing on there that resembles like actual fur or like it just looks like this heinous creation. And uh, I think we're owed or owed answers. It looks like it's made out of, um, you know, things that go in the wall to keep the house warm. Yes. <laughs> so. Yes, exactly. It's like a whole fiberglass suit. <laughs> I just like the idea. I just like the idea of of uh, Schumacher turning up to set with like. 15 big bulky guys covered in like oil and then being like this is great this is for the scene right he's like yes <laughs> for the scene and no <laughs> no one was telling film. him that, no one was telling him to stop and i'd imagine that you know on these films there was an entire department that was just into you know getting the oil and applying the oil it's <laughs> just the sliding yeah. uh, just a big room of like a big vat they have to jump in it like a uh, harley there quinn there's just like a a hollywood teamster with a bucket and like a like a mop okay come on kids we gotta oil you down for the batman movie come on (laughs) oh oh god and but every person who gets thrown in the oil all you hear is that sound effect from when arnold schwarzenegger (laughs) becomes mr freeze which is one of the best sound effects ever which is the It was the precursor to like the Voldemort yell. Don't even uh, get me started on that. Yeah, it it's fantastic, and also also we deserved even more of Schumacher's creative vision in the way of 
uh, unsung hero of the Bat franchise, Dr. Chase Meridian. Uh, why exactly does she box in her office? What exactly is her qualifications? How did she get a PhD with such simple analyses as the coin is his Achilles heel? Like, no shit. Like, I'm Batman. Like, all right, I've fought this guy a bunch of times. I know the guy even has a look on his face like, yeah, I, I, I got that. Thank you. She has a degree in picking up context clues. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, Nicole. She's she's a great character in the sense that the script literally just put be horny. Pretty much. I mean, like, that's that's about it. And then we also need that- like... That's the footnote for the whole script, though. <laughs> Honestly, like point. the only person that doesn't get to be like fully horny is a uh, Pat Hingle's uh, Gordon. He deserved he deserved his moment in the sun. <laughs> no, he he's pretty horny in Batman and Robin. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, that's true. I don't think Alfred gets to be as horny. Well, no, because no. he has that uh, disease, McGregor that... syndrome. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, no, they, they, McGregor they just, syndrome. <laughs> they just throw in there. Oh, that's his heart. Um. Don't worry, yeah. there's a cure. <laughs> there's a cure. It's a very unique cure. Though. It's in my suit, in my wrist gauntlet at all times. <laughs> <laughs> no. Uh, <laughs> I felt. Can I just say that I was upset um, when Bam and Robin came out that Schwarzenegger didn't do the Nora, like from the animated series? Yeah. Oh, for sure. But then again, he, he was too busy. He was too busy, like, flirting with his assistant. He was too busy making twenty million dollars. He didn't. <laughs> yes, that that's the key. Uh, but I wish I wish that Schwarzenegger was on cameo right now. That way, I could pay him to read lines from Heart of Ice and see see how ridiculous and dumb he could make them. Like if Schwarzenegger had to do the iconic, like I would be moved to tears if I had any left to shed. Like, so Imagine dumb. Batman. <laughs> a warm summer's day. <laughs> uh, Actually, can we? Can we? Is there a way we can get Will, uh, Friedel, and uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger to do that whole Batman Beyond episode? Oh, that'd be so good. Leave Batman. <laughs> oh, I would love that so much. Uh, wow. Well, yeah. Today's episode is the official ending to this first season of Batman Returned. We will be looking back at the impact that these four films had on culture and Batman as a character during the period of 1989 to 2004 and how the character changed over the years. But firstly, DJ, what are your thoughts on the Burton Schumacher movies? You know, I think that was the they they were released in the perfect time in my life. And uh, 89 Batman was actually the first movie I saw in theaters. I was like two or three. Um, yeah, and my parents told the story. They're like, we took you. We didn't know how it would work. But the minute, like, the, the beginning credits rolled, like, you sat on your seat and you didn't look away the whole time. And it's it's funny um, that it just kind of captured my imagination there. And I think with that revolving into Batman, the animated series, and, uh, of course, learning to read <laughs> and getting into <laughs> Batman comic books, uh, you know, from 89 to uh you know 97 uh, i i that was like peak you know imagination building for me as a kid and i just remember you know i remember this with a lot of films where i would 
I would know I, I was always a big film nerd and a film fan so I would go to the movie theaters a lot and uh, I would obsess over trailers and posters and I mean this was before the internet really was a thing so that I mean I rem- especially like I remember when the Batman Returns teaser poster came out when it was the best symbol and black and white with the snow mm. I remember seeing that and just like not understanding what a sequel was at that time. And my parents were being like, Oh, it's another Batman movie. And I'm like, another one. So <laughs> they I, do you know, that? I have a very, yeah, they do that. I, so I have a very like special place for those movies where I think when I was like a teenager, I was like, you know, an annoying, ironic type person who was like Batman and Robin so bad, you know, but now I'm in my thirties. I can admit, Correct. It is bad, but I still love it because, you know, I, I think this goes for a lot of different bad movies at, during the 90s is that like what if, if they if you if they came out during a certain time in your life, despite how bad it is, you remember the memories involved in going to see the film. And that goes to say with toys, the McDonald's Happy Meals, you know, the promotions like I remember all of these things. So it wasn't just like a film coming out, but like a year long experience that kind of captured a part of my childhood so to me you know besides you know if we're leaving kevin Con- not kevin Costner, uh, kevin conroy out of this um you know michael keaton is my batman for sure and i you know i love val kilmer and you know i like batman and robin not because it's good but because it's not good you know so yes i like them is what i want to say perfect yeah we don't want to leave kevin costner out that's that's <laughs> superman's job <laughs> yes exactly Hey, the world owes Clark nothing. <laughs> pa, pa Kent. We, we will get to that at one point. We, at one point, we will get to that franchise. We will have words about that. Uh, but until then, yeah, I feel like we all have that same... Despite our ages, I think we all sort of grew up at that right time where we got to absorb all these movies. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, us... Me and Alden sort of grew up around like Forever slash and Robin, which maybe is why we have a bit more fondness to it. But I feel like we all had that sort of weird response to these films where we became in our teenagers that sort of, these films are terrible, like who cares about them? And I feel like we have a respective changing attitude where we go, do you know what? Who cares about what the status quo is? Like these films are ridiculous that's good yeah i mean like it's also it's also just existing through the lens of updating the 60s camp for the 90s audience and for that context like once you've grown to appreciate what adam west and burt ward and you know julie newmar slash eartha slash lee merriweather uh what you know that entire group of actors and performers were doing with those versions i mean like like you know, I love the the direct you know connection from Frank Gorshin to Jim Carrey, like that that feels so right. And so once you have sort of like that pop cultural sort of history um, context and sort of like backdrop in your mind, then you grow to appreciate it a little more. And and then the other thing about that is, you know, we all sort of got to witness. It's so funny because like right now it's like we're training audiences, you know, via Spider Verse and. Now with DC having both Batfleck and Battinson going at the same time, and now J.J. Abrams producing a Superman movie, will it be Cavill? Will it not be? Who knows? Uh, and Marvel about to dabble as well with Multiverse of Madness. It's like the audience is like, whoa, 
we're doing like different takes at the same time. But really, it was this this era of Batman that initially trained people for that. And people sort of just forget because you had your three Batman actors. Um, and yeah, it was supposed to be the same world, but, you know, it was some jarring changes. And then at the same time, Conroy. But even then, it's like there's Conroy within the context of Batman TAS. Then there's Conroy within the context of Justice League and Unlimited, which is the same guy, but it still opened up, you know, different corners of DC. And, and so it really was a, a time where especially and if you were reading comics, you got that uh, yet another uh, version. So it definitely uh, expanded our, our, our taste buds there. Yeah, you know, as a kid, I and even growing up, I exclusively read Batman comics. I mean, my pull box at my comic store was like the 15 ongoing Batman stories. But yeah, like, I'm doing my I'm doing my rewatch of Justice League Unlimited right now because it's on HBO Max. And you know, I I forgot that my knowledge of extended DC uh, universe is from the animated series. Like I didn't, I didn't read justice league. I didn't read Aquaman or wonder woman. So yeah. like all of my knowledge comes from that, like period of time from 89 to, I guess like 2004 for what you were saying. So, you know, it, it's, it's interesting to see like, you know, our, our fandom is, is pulled from that era. Um, but I think what a lot of people forget too, is that the, the folks who are, were making, uh, the Batman, I mean, between Tim, Tim Burton and Joel Schumacher, they're, they weren't comic book readers. They didn't read comic books. I mean, Tim Burton has been very open about it, his lack of reading comic books. Yeah. Um, but, you know, they were being inspired by the, the 66 series. And like you were saying, like, if you put that next to forever, for the lesser extent, but Batman and Robin for a greater extent, like, yeah, it, 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 it's more of a transition. It's more fluid. And it, you look at it instead of going, this is awful. It goes, yes, this is a good uh, homage. <laughs> yeah. And I think as well is like all these elements sort of feed into each other. So you were saying about how the, the, the Schumacher and Burton films were there to cater to a general audience who might not know the comic books as well as others. But then that influences people and kids to get into the animated shows. And then those animated shows tell you a bit more about these characters. And you sort of delve in a bit more into the, the backstories and these major parts and elements of these characters. I mean, you can go into the films and understand who the Joker is pretty well. But then you could leave the animated series knowing who Clary and the Witch Boy is. <laughs> Which, I, yeah. you know, you right. won't get that anywhere else, I don't think. Um, I mean, absolutely. I mean, and then that that fuels your, you know, it's all it's all cyclical because then that fuels your toy consumption and it fuels what uh, what issues you want to go back and find. And and again, like it can't be, you know, thinking about Justice League Unlimited and sort of Batman's place in that and in TAS and beyond, it can't be overstated how important that was for, I think, um, establishing a unifying sort of groundwork where people that were hardcore into the comics could find something there and people that were big Burton fans or Schumacher fans like that version sort of just has it all and remains I think sort of you know as we dissect this in between era between those four and the beginning of Nolan that remains sort of the the bedrock in a lot of ways because when you get to the Arkham games there's a lot of unique and special storytelling there but at their core the Arkham games like on premise alone like you can see it in the cast is the 
PG-13, a slightly more horrific, slightly sexier Batman the Animated Series. Yeah, plus you had Paul Dini writing the first two. So it was a nice continuation. Absolutely. Why don't we just kickstart with some brand new news regarding something that I know me and Alden have discussed before uh, behind the scenes, something that we've really wanted for a long time, something that had been teased for a long time. And it seemed as though DC Comics were not going to let this happen because it just, you know, had been cancelled. The, the artwork, well, artwork had been showed online a lot, yeah. but obviously it wasn't going to happen. Now it is going to happen, and that is that we're going to get a follow-up to the Burton-verse. Like we said before in this podcast, we can, we're viewing, we view these films in the sense that this ti- this timeline, if you would, this world of the multiverse goes from 89 to Batman and Robin, but equally you could view different worlds as 89 returns and then, you know, 89 up to the forever and, you know, however you want to view it. And if, in this you know, case, and we, have, we know we're making this show as well, uh, pre uh, Andy Muschietti's Flash movie, which could be the thing that firmly does say, you know, if they get Kilmer for a cameo or something like that, could be the thing that finally does say those movies are two and two and not a four piece thing. Yeah. Yeah. But even then, you, you can still say that the Val Kilmer and Clooney Batmans did those things in those previous films. It's just a different tangent of the timeline. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, because it's it's worlds and splintered timelines in those worlds. So you could just make it as as uh, as silly and 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 interweaving as you want it to be. No, I I feel like yeah, especially with returns. You know, I think those two definitely uh, spoke to each other as a continuation, uh, mostly because of the one line where you know, Bruce was telling Selena about Vicky. Like there, there, I don't think there's any reference to Batman forever besides no, I guess when Bane breaks, uh, Mr. Freeze at a prison, there's the two face and Riddler costumes. There's that. Yeah. Like, and then yeah. forever, and forever has a uh, chase. Catwoman. Reference in Catwoman. Yeah. Well, never mind. It's all the same universe. <laughs> Yeah, there's something about, you know, leather and whips or something like that, because, you know, she's got to get, she's got to make it clear that that's what she's, she's into. horny, but yeah, <laughs> she's but, a doctor. <laughs> she's like, yeah, or the last one with uh, leather and whips, he goes, Catwoman. She's like, what? No, I'm just talking about in general. No, I just mean I have some in my apartment, <laughs> but which which I leave my bedroom uh, glass door, big window doors unlocked at all times for you to walk right in, Batman. But I brought you, I bought you a dream doll. Do me, yeah, honestly. Oh, I man. love those big lips, Mister Kilmer. I love his face when she's like, "I love someone else." He's like, he's like, "Lady, you have no idea. You're gonna be so happy in that five minutes." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh, everything's coming up, Bruce, today. I'm winning. Uh, I feel that was a, a missed opportunity for him to do the Keaton mask ripoff, where the eyes oh, change from black so to good. white. Oh, it, it's, it's phenomenal. It's fantastic. Well, that's like when people were like dogging on, on Robert Pattinson's Bruce just based on the, the makeup photo. And I'm like, well, well what's the alternative? <laughs> like, going back to the Keaton? Like, and even I think. Even Bale, I think he takes off the cowl and rises, and the makeup yeah. is gone. Well, you know, yeah, he's a superhero, man. 
Yeah, yeah you can do it. it. He's rich. The, the cow has like a like mini little car washes inside that just like take off the. the makeup. Just like a, you don't hear the noise. Yeah, little squeegees. The, the no, Danny Alfred, music. It's what Alfred brings in in the Dark Knight. He's got that big tray. It's like, okay, look, Rachel died. All right, it's very sad. Here's some wipes to wipe off your makeup. Yeah, honestly. I know you've been crying. The size of a tangerine. Yeah. <laughs> I buried enough members of the Wayne family in bad makeup. <laughs> uh, I failed you, your mum, Martha Wayne. Why do you say that name? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Let's hope that uh, let's hope that Michael Caine, Alfred, and, and Affleck never meet. Uh, that said, <laughs> that said, if we get Michael Caine, Alfred, and Jeremy Irons as Alfred to meet, I would love to watch that conversation over tea. That would be wonderful. Have you guys had Michael Caine on the podcast yet? Uh, we're, we're working on it. We're working okay. on that. Yeah. Right, but we're only going to be talking about Jules 4. Yeah, and, and, <laughs> yes. and Goldmember. <laughs> Goldmember. <laughs> when you stabbed Jaws with a boat, was that fun? <laughs> <laughs> My favorite quote of his was like, was the film good? I don't know. But was the house that I bought it with? I look at yeah. it every day. <laughs> yeah. Oh, uh, he's no, great. Just to dive in, yeah. Uh the Batman 89's universe of sorts, which is the Batman and Batman Returns sort of timeline, will mm-hmm. be followed up. Um DC Comics released a statement saying, continuing the twisted adventures of DC's Dark Knight from Tim Burton's seminal classic Batman movies. Batman 89 brings in screenwriter from those movies, Sam Ham, Batman Batman Returns. An artist, Joe Quinones, Dial H for Heroes, to pull on a number of threads left dangling by the prolific director. The gothic mentality behind the world, while still rooted in a sense of realism, helped inform many of DC Global fans' first impressions of the Dark Knight Scotham. In the new Batman 89 comic, Ham and Quinones will help usher in the return of Selina Carl slash Catwoman and will debut a new Robin. Plus, Quinones has a vision for Harvey Dent, Two-Face, that is as close to movie magic as a comic can get. I'm so excited for Billy D in comic form. That's going to be fantastic. Because it was great to have him in the Lego movie, you know, for whatever, like, two lines that he has. But this proper follow-up version is going to be very exciting. Yeah, I was super excited when he teased this several years ago and then was like, it's not happening. Okay, because I, I really love Joe's art. I really feel that he is going to do a killer job with this, especially if you follow him on Instagram and the stuff he's been sharing. Mm-hmm. So I, I always, I always thought this was kind of a no-brainer, especially when you know for the last several years it seems like DC Comics were kind of just you know reaching for whatever they could to make anything into a. I mean, they were doing the Batman sixty-six line, so I, I assume that eighty-nine was the next step after they finished that series but yeah i guess they decided not so i'm and happy that they are revisiting this yeah what's great about you know what you just said with the 66 and uh, wonder woman 77 mm. and they had their cross and they had their green hornet cross what was great about all that is that it was also taking elements that came after the fact and retrofitting them for what works here so it's like what if like I'm just throwing this out as an example, but what if you got the 1989 early 90s version 
of, you know, not just Dick, but also Tim? Or what if it's like this Michael Keaton one did meet Talia in his youth and you get an 80s Damian Wayne, like the same way that they did Nightwing in the context of 66 and sort of fit that in. You know, I've always joked that I want a comic that is beyond, but for the 66 universe, give me the old grizzled Adam West with like a Nirvana Terry, Terry McGinnis, you know, for, for the nineties. So how they can play with time works really well. And I think that his art, I'm looking at it here, uh, joking on his bat suit, you know, his notes say like costume blends, 89 returns and animated series. So it's got white glowy eyes, but it's got, you know, sort of the washboard abs of, of the, uh, of the uh, return suit. But the cape interiors got that purple that, you know, Capullo played with recently. So it's definitely like updating, but staying true. It's got the, you know, Michael Keaton eyebrows, which are just perfect. But uh, does he have the Nike, does he have the Nike boots? Does he have those? I don't, yeah, they got, they got to do those. He's got his brown suit here. He has a cool undersuit that he made for him. Yeah, and, which is based uh, on an action figure, I think. Yeah, I know. yeah, yeah. yeah. I I got really excited about that because I remember having that as a kid and being like Bruce Wayne in his action turtleneck. Yes. Yes. (laughs) He also like, you know, obviously blended the, the Pat version of Gordon with the comic Gordon. You've got the Michael Goff Alfred mixed with the comic Alfred. And then this Joker gang where one of them is just blatantly Prince, which is wonderful. (laughs) One of the <laughs> my favorite part. He just blatantly is Prince. <laughs> like <laughs> in our universe, the Bat Dance music video is canon. It's it's, go, it go, go with a smile. And then, uh, what was the other thing, Charlie, that you were excited about? I'll let you say it. In that Joker gang, we see. Oh, the uh, sort of like an '89 Burton precursor to Dee Dee from yeah. Batman Beyond. Yeah, it's fantastic. Who, so all of that. You... Don't know if you know, but is played by Sabrina the Teenage Witch in Batman Beyond. By Melissa Joan Hart? Yeah. I didn't know that. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, I you know, one thing I'm very curious about with this um, new series is how they are going to treat new incarnations of villains. You know, if they did it, I don't is this a limited run or is it an ongoing? Do we know? I think it's an ongoing. I, yeah, I think it's one of those situations where maybe they have like a 12 probably in the can, and then if it does gangbusters, they'll just keep going. The thing I really expect to happen, which is something that you were sort of talking about, Auden, especially with the um, when Batman 66 met up with uh, the 77 Wonder Woman, and they showed like, yeah. an older version of Burt Ward as Nightwing. Mm-hmm. I expect to maybe see a crossover between Batman 89 and what was also announced, which was... Um, Superman seventy eight, which follows right. up on the uh, on the Donna films. So if you gave that, if you put the Reeves Clark in this, maybe with some some salt and pepper hair, you know, or something like age age him up a little bit, you know, that could be really cool. Mm. They'd have to team up to fight um, Lex Luthor's Atomic Man. What was his name? That's from Superman four. Oh, Radioactive Man. Oh, the radio yeah. with his with his long nails. <laughs> <laughs> yeah this would be fantastic and and that's the other thing that i'm wondering is new versions of villains like you were saying it you know in terms of ones that maybe they never got to so like what does the 89 Roz look like what does the you know the 89 scarecrow look like that we never got 
that we will talk about soon when we get to un, un, unmade films. Uh, like, is Joe Quinones going to draw Jeff Goldblum? Like, how how, how meta is this going to be? <laughs> I, I can't. I wonder what the legality of those situations are because I really want them to try and go all out and get like actors full faces. on. Oh, I, I got, I hope so. Yeah. I think that it's probably like if they already have licensing, like I've got prints. <laughs> yeah. Like they could do that. They could do, they could probably do um, Jim Carrey if they wanted to. And that, that's my other question is uh, what versions potentially of Schumacher will be honored, but retrofitted into Burton. So do you do, Schwarzenegger freeze, but with a straightforward Burton take. Do you do Uma's? Because imagine Uma's Ivy by way of Burton. That's well, interesting. It's, it's not even just those in the Schumacher films. Like the jump between um, characterizations of villains from '89 and Returns is so drastic. Like I feel like the Joker is pretty dead on to the comics, besides like the Jack Napier Napier origin. But, you know, but when they went to uh, Selena and Penguin, they, Burton just did whatever the hell he wanted and made it like and it, it's funny to see like them trying to make that work in the animated series where they had the Burton look. But with Paul Williams doing a completely different version of that character. So I'm yeah. curious on like what direction do they take this? Do they do they try to keep it more close to like what the Joker was in 89 or do they go all out, you know, hot topic, got black goo coming out of your mouth? that's kind of what i want like that one of my worries or concerns was i while i like the 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 animated influence in terms of like the characterization i was a bit like oh i wish we could have seen a a bit more as it looked in the burn films Hmm. i know they're introducing elements especially like with gordon stuff like i I can appreciate why they want to go down that route but i kind of wish they would just stick to what we saw and i and the reason why I love Burton's films the most isn't because it's saying this is the de facto Batman. It is obviously a vision of Batman. And the core concept is obviously the idea of the other, the the outsiders, the the way that like like we mentioned, like Batman Returns, the major villain in that film isn't Catwoman, the penguin. <laughs> it's Max Shrek and Capitalism. Mover and Shaker, <laughs> Max Shrek. I, oh, hey, is, could you imagine oh, him yeah. coming back? Oh, you know, as long as we get a Burton version of Condiment King, I think I'll be satisfied. <laughs> and that I, I was just about to say, like, do you? So Condiment King's on the table now. Do you guys have <laughs> characters that you want to see put into the Burton verse? I mean, we know that Billy D. Two Face is probably going to be the first villain, but is there anyone else, yeah. villains or allies, that you want to see pop up in the context of '89? When did Returns come out? '92. 92 yeah yeah so 89 to 92 range versions who do you want to see i mean i'm assuming robin will be based on marlon wayans the marlon wayans version yeah so that'll be that's going to be cool anyway and we're assuming that that's dick i'm assuming i'm assuming that's the case yeah yeah could potentially still be a mixture of dick and jason right um which I'll be fine with, you know, I don't think I, yeah, my, my initial inclination was to say, uh, give me the 89 slash 92 version, like Tim Burton's the court of owls. But now I'm kind of being fed well by the animated continuation comics, which are about Mm -hmm. to do that. Um, so, so if they do it great, if they don't, I won't be heartbroken, but I would also like to see, you know, them go, 
you know, because I think the further out you get from that era and the more modern you get, the more like fun novelty element there is to seeing them change. So if you did like James Gordon Jr. or like Professor Pig and or like stuff from now uh, well, you in, can, in that lens. And with that time period, you can finally get the Macaulay Culkin Damien Wayne. So it works out. <laughs> <laughs> it up Wayne Manor. The villain's like it. I'm an assassin. My Master mother. Bruce, have we lost anything? Hey, Damien. <laughs> I, yeah. I'm trying to think of like characters I would really like. Because again, it, it has to work contextually. And I and I really don't I, I don't want them to just be like, okay, here's uh man bat in the eighty nine verse and it's you know it's just him. But design like the eighties, I need it to be slightly changed. I need the elements of the characters to be slightly changed as they would in the Burton verse. The yeah. same way that I like that Joker is Jack Napier, the same way that I like Catwoman is licked by cats. <laughs> you know? <laughs> And as somebody who has a cat, nothing, none of that ever happens. <laughs> I don't get any powers. Have you been pushed out of a window by uh, Christopher Walken? Because you can't <laughs> skip that step. Yeah, but at that point, I didn't have a, I didn't have a cat, so they weren't. It wasn't combined. So. Oh. Max Shrek does not get enough love. He is the best villain. Yeah. yeah. Him and capitalism heinous. in general are like. I just love how that whole film works. We can get into that again, but I'm not going to because we could be here for ages. But I Ooh, really, you know, it would be great. Oh, go on. I'm trying to think of more characters. I was, yeah, I was just about to say either doing like the 89 version of like Amanda Waller or something like that. That or would like be, a, mm, I don't know, actually. Like with some sort of, because because the 80s, like that era where Burton was making these movies was such a peak for so much like, you know, die hard and, and all of that stuff, all that action that if you did some sort of suicide squad arc, uh, but with eighties people or alternatively, and I don't know how wacky they want to get, but if you put the John Wesley ship flash, I was about to say it. I was about in, to say in, that in this book, <laughs> that would work. That would actually work. See, I can but that's see less, his, yeah. It's less special now because of the flash TV series and him being such a big part of that. Yeah. They ruined it. Multiverse. It could, have been, it could have been in the comics first. Yeah, but he. But when we see Flash ninety, uh, Flash from Earth ninety, he has still lived his career. We don't know what happened before that. He might have met up with Batman. We don't know that. True. Yeah, true. it's true. So you know, we, I I think that would be a great mix. I feel like those characters would work more. Well. Alex Ross did a painting of all of them. It was like he did, yeah. You know, I remember Christopher, that one. Yeah, yeah, Christopher Reeves, Superman, Michael Keaton, Wonder Woman, and then yeah, his Flash. So that, it's that possible. Would be great. Yeah, I'm. What, but vi- villains wise, I'm trying to think of who would be perfect for this. You know, I feel like obviously Mambat would be very interesting. The Outsider again. It's this person who is you kind of doing the fly, but with. Batman. <laughs> um, yeah, I just I'm trying to think. Really, I mean, you were saying about if you could like sort of get Jim Carrey's Riddler and put him into this, but I'm thinking, what if you went and did the Robin Williams Riddler? Ooh. Oh, doing casting choices that never happened. 
mm-hmm. would be so so good because like wasn't the wasn't patrick stewart approach to be freeze <laughs> i think that was the case yes oh man that'd be great laura <laughs> <Make it fun>. <laughs> <laughs> see oh, sing the song <laughs> Engage. I love it so much. Uh, yeah, but who? Again, like the sensibilities of that time of the gothic nature has to fit in with the villains picked. Court yeah, that's why I think that like Court of Owls. Yeah, would be my first pick. Would be interesting. I don't know if it would fit necessarily with, with this Gotham. Maybe potentially. Um. I feel though if they were to make a comic story based on the the first two films at least, they have to pick one giant set, like either the town square from Batman Returns or mm. you know town square Batman Batman eighty nine, where they <laughs> one set and they filmed everything there. Like that whole like twelve issue comic run has to take place in one set. That's so funny. They should do a. Uh like a six issue arc at some point where the entire arc is getting from the bottom of the church to the top of the church. <laughs> is this what happened to the uh, karate dude you fell down? I did that in her shoe. Kill... <laughs> Killer Croc would be a good one. Yeah, I could see Croc working for sure. I mean, I, I, I was about to, I was about to say at the risk of leaning too far into Burton's catalog, doing Mad Hatter. Uh, would be it would be interesting. That would be great. Yeah, it's up somebody that definitely fits. I think his overall style. Um, you you could do Black Mask, but I just feel like you know we with yeah. with Shrek being there and and you know a couple other you know those, those aspects you don't really need to do him. Um, I think you need a bit of theatricality to it, but also the outsider elements. That's why I feel like Man Bat uh, Killer Croc. Would be good because they've got these. Like, now here's here, here's one I think one of the big questions: Do you do Harley Quinn? Harley well, Quinn. I feel like that's something we get into later because I mean I think that's something they were thinking about, right? Right, yeah, with we'll following up that, as the what was it Napier's daughter? Oh, we'll get there. <laughs> we'll get there in five hours, but it's happening. <laughs> It's just a tape recorder going. Batman, the tape recorder is robbing a bank. <laughs> Sorry, it sprouted little arms and legs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I feel like yeah, there's so much you can do in that world of like. I really like the idea of the Joker gang being something that still exists, and that his his legacy doesn't have to be just him returning, but actually it can be like his legacy on Gotham, freeing yeah. these. It, it, you know, the it's prince. just Lawrence because Bob's dead. Lawrence, <laughs> Lawrence, <laughs> uh, just go around. Yesterday, I was the guy who started the boombox. Now I'm in charge of the whole game. No, I'm the number one guy. <laughs> number I feel one. like Dee Dee could potentially be the Harley Quinn of this universe. Mm-hmm. You know, so maybe that was what they're gonna try and do. Um, did we ever find out what happened to um? Grissom's lady. She died. Oh, I don't she know. Yeah, they they said um, she killed herself. Oh, okay. You're right. Oh, yeah. Right, 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 right. That's right. 
Yeah, so I thought you yeah. guys liked Batman. <laughs> you don't know the exact it's life great. of Alicia. Hold on, <laughs> Alicia. <laughs> <laughs> this is the most love that character's ever gotten on this show right now. Is that yeah. sugar bumps? <laughs> oh man, I have to say, I um, just not thinking. I called my girlfriend sugar pumps like a week ago and she's oh, like, no. excuse me. <laughs> and I had to be like, no, it's a Batman thing. It's a joke. <laughs> it's a joke. Um, well, I, 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 you know, I don't know about you guys, but this stuff is such an important part of my life that I have, it's like quoting Simpsons jokes. Like it, it kind of comes in naturally. Like I remember like we were about to go somewhere and I was like fixing my hair and she's like, you look fine. And I turn around and said, I didn't ask. And she's like, whoa. And I'm like, no, no, it's a, it's a Batman joke. <laughs> I feel at this point, anytime I do something wrong or offense here, I'm just going to lie and say it's a Batman reference. Like, oh, well, I'm scrappaging Batman. Like, you never get fired because you just keep saying, oh, yeah, it's the Batman reference. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't think that would work at my job. but <laughs> What do you think would be more horrifying the fact that your girlfriend was like, excuse me? <laughs> or if she in turn said, it's me, Sugar Bumps. <laughs> in like a really nasally Jack Nicholson voice. I, 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 would, I would respect her for that. You know, I would only respect if she came out of the light and she had that purple makeup on her neck. Yes. <laughs> she was, if she was committed to that blunder that I cannot stop looking at every time I watch that movie. Hey man, and it was like I day of the job. <laughs> I'm glad Jack Pallets didn't bring it up, you know. <laughs> like Jack, what the hell's on your neck? It would ruin like he'd have to do the entrance all over again. <laughs> He's like, I killed the elongated man before I walked in. Okay? I've just got purple all over me. That'd be a great Lawrence. Scene. <laughs> yeah, Lawrence, give me my towel. Um I mean, we're all, we're all excited for this comic, right? Absolutely. Yeah, I'm excited to buy a comic again. Uh, the good old days. Well, why don't we dive into the second part of this chat, which is just the cancelled films and things that never were. So these, obviously, when Batman uh, and Robin came out, uh, the critical response was shite. So we never <laughs> really got a follow-up. To those films but they did try that's the key element they did try to come up with some follow-ups so what do you guys know about the potential fifth film more than i'd like to admit so yeah there was a there's a lot going on i mean you know dj you can you can probably provide like the clarification but i'll just throw out sort of like the key elements and then you can sort of stitch together you know what you know but uh scarecrow possibly mm-hmm. jeff goldblum uh, Harley Quinn is daughter of the Joker. Jack Nicholson returning through visions, uh, I think uh, gas-induced visions. Um, yeah, definitely. You know, did, I think Blood wasn't Bloodhaven going to be part of it at one point. Or, yeah, or I, like I mean, that. I feel like a lot of this. You know, I don't have much to add besides what you said because it's kind of. I think details about it besides there is, um, there's some concept art out there, and I do believe they did sculpt. A maquette or they might have went and did the whole um the whole outfit if i remember correctly i mean i think it was kind of the same 
similar thing of when they were thinking about bringing Keaton back for forever. Like there was a definite once once he left the the project, a lot of stuff was scrapped. Um, but I believe like they they were pretty like decently in the pre production for Batman. It was a Batman Triumphant is the name, right? Yeah, Batman Triumphant. Yeah, because that well, rolls right. I'll, up I'll read out. <laughs> I'll read out the Wikipedia entry for this. Um, so, this, so apparently, Batman Triumphant was while well, it was a name for the film. Uh, it's actually they wanted to go with Batman Unchained, which is ironic considering that was later the Scott Snyder Jim Lee right. book, right? So the Wikipedia entry for this says, During the filming of Batman and Robin, Warner Bros. was impressed with the dailies, prompting them to immediately hire Joel Schumacher to reprise his directing duties for a third <laughs> They watched the dailies on mute? Like, what was going on? And the dailies don't even have music? It's just them just dry talking to each other? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, writer Akiva Goldsman, who worked on Batman Forever and Batman and Robin, turned down the chance to write the script. In late 1996, Warner Brothers and Schumacher hired Mark Proto... Uh, I can't say his second name. They hired Mark <laughs> to write the Good script. Mark. <laughs> Batman. Uh, Protosevich? Mark Protosevich to write the script for a fifth Batman film. A projected mid-1999 release date was announced. The LA Times described their film as continuing the same vein with multiple villains and more silliness. Schumacher, however, Clay later oh claimed that the film would have been darker and closer in tone to the first two films in the series. Titled Batman Unchained, but often incorrectly referred to as Batman Triumphant. Pro- well, excuse me. Mark oh, Scripps wow. had the scarecrow. Thanks, Wiki. <laughs> Mark Script had the Scarecrow as the main villain, and the Joker would return as a hallucination in Batman's mind caused by the Scarecrow's fear toxin. Harley Quinn appeared as a supporting character, written as the Joker's daughter trying to kill Batman to avenge her father's death. The film would have depicted the Scarecrow and Harley Quinn teaming up to drive Batman insane and have him committed to Arkham Asylum. After their defeat, the film would have ended with Bruce Wayne traveling to Bali and entering a cave where he allows himself to be swarmed by bats to symbolize that he has conquered fear. Clooney, <coughs> O'Donnell, and Silverstone were all set to reprise their roles as Batman, Robin, and Nike, uh, and Batgirl. <laughs> Schumacher had also approached Nicolas Cage for the role of Scarecrow in Batman and Robin as a cameo appearance to set up an appearance in Batman Unchained before ultimately casting Coolio. <laughs> Just that, just that. I'm gonna go back and read that again. Okay. Schumacher had also approached Nicolas Cage for the role <laughs> of Scarecrow in Batman and Robin as a cameo appearance to set up an appearance in Batman Unchained before ultimately casting Coolio. Coolio. Well, you know, in you the mid nineties, guys, mid to late nineties, no one could touch Coolio. Coolio, Coolio, star of Daredevil: The Director's Cut. <laughs> Jesus Christ! Yeah, uh, a I mean, film would likely have appeared eighteen months to two years after the fourth, when Batman Return, uh, when Batman and Robin received negative reviews and failed to outgross any of its predecessors, and a one hundred and fifty million dollar Superman film was cancelled three months before shooting began. Warner Brothers became unsure of its plans for the fifth film, 
The studio decided it was best to consider a live-action Batman Beyond film and an adaptation of Frank Miller's Batman Year One. Warner Brothers would then greenlight whichever idea suited them the most. Schumacher felt he owed the Batman culture a real Batman movie. I would go back to the basics and make a dark portrayal of the Dark Knight. He approached Warner Brothers to do Batman Year One in mid-1998. And that's Batman Triumphant. Wow. A great crime against humanity was not letting that film be made. That's just a lot. I, I forgot that it was Nick, Nick Cage. Like that, that, that would have been yeah. something. Uh, yeah. And then, and then Coolio. I, I remember the Nick Cage stuff more than the Jeff Goldblum thing. And, I, I, you know, as much as I do enjoy Jeff Goldblum, I feel like Nicolas Cage, especially like peak 90s Nick Cage, yeah. would have just been, you know, pardon the pun, batshit crazy and awesome. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I would have, especially like if he brought that face off energy. Oh. And then it oh, makes God. me wonder like if Harley Quinn was supposed to be the young daughter of Napier, you know, so that's got to be probably like an actress in her 20s like and thinking about the 90s and who was popular and it makes me think like Sarah Michelle Gellar like or something <laughs> like that. Like they probably would have gone for your Sarah Michelle Gellars for your, you know, your maybe like a Drew Barrymore or something like that. Yeah, I see Drew Barry. Or, the, you know, it's the 90s. They might just get Alicia Silverstone to do both characters. Yeah, honestly, right? What other actress would have been great for that, for that role? I mean, yeah, yeah it's a bit of craziness. A craziness. It's, it's a shame. I really, you know, I think that had a lot of possibilities. And there's nothing I'd like to see more than Batman surrounded by bats. I wish that would have happened in a movie. Yeah, if if only if only anyone <laughs> had ever had that idea. Oh, I Wait, forgot Drew Barrymore was in music. Batman Forever. Oh, she she was. Oh, that's like, right. That's right. <laughs> Maybe my brain was just telling me that she had a connection. Uh, Do you think uh, I've just googled the name of the character? Do you think Sugar was secretly mm-hmm. the daughter of? Yeah, that that's canon. As far as I'm concerned, that is canon. Um, but yeah, yeah. I mean, I I think that you know, I I, I it's it's so funny, like to say like, oh, do I wish it would happen? I mean, it would have been fun to see, but it's just I don't know how it would have been with Clooney and O'Donnell and and Silverstone like pivoting to try to do like some serious material. Like, I don't know if like the if the Barbara Pennyworth version <laughs> uh could be like redeemed and taken seriously uh after after that take so i don't know yeah i don't really feel there's a realistic version of what schumacher was aiming for if you could say he was aiming for anything um in the last film so uh, yeah i feel like it, he would have gotten the screenplay and it would have been drastically different than what we could read off of the video Absolutely. And imagine there'd be a lot of, like, I'm just trying to think about what the hell Scarecrow's costume would look like. Because it would be, like, on, like, the level of, like, the Scarecrow's costume from The Wiz or something like that. Just very <laughs> dramatic. Oh, man, that's great. There is also another film that I believe... It isn't year one, but it was it was also potentially like scripted and like you know could be released. Um, it says despite Warner Bros. and Schumacher's interest with year one, 
Lee Shapiro, a comic book fan, and Stephen Wise pitched the studio with a script titled Batman Dark Knight, but with like 1K. In mid-1998... <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's such a 90s thing to do. Yeah. Capital D, A-R, capital K, N-I-G-H-T. Was largely inspired by The Dark Knight Returns. Had Bruce Wayne giving up his crime-fighting career after becoming disillusioned with his alias's inability to inspire fear and mystique in his enemies, and Dick Grayson attending Gotham University. Dr. Jonathan Crane uses his position as professor of psychology at the university and as head psychiatrist at Arkham Asylum to conduct his fear experiments. This element would later appear in Batman Begins. Yeah, I was about to say, it definitely feels like they you know, had this scarecrow idea on the desk for a while and they were committed to making that work. So I feel, um, I don't know how much older I am than you guys, but like I, I remember during this period of time was when I was like kind of starting to get deep into the internet and I was on a lot of Batman message boards and like we were following like these little leaks and like, okay, where's it? Mm. And like, I felt like the movie was never going to come to be, but like, I just remember that Scarecrow was like a big part of it, you know, the Dark Knight and then the, um, uh, year one like i remember like year after year just seeing this stuff go because i was really excited for a new take in batman and you know i i just remember there was so little thunder leading up to batman begins like because it yes. was because it, it felt like it was very like a lot the way the rumors were going and then when they finally you know got nolan or they say we're doing scarecrow we're doing rise of ghoul like there was one website, like there was a Batman Begins website and it had like five pictures on it from like a press kit. And that was it. And they were like, <laughs> like, I don't even think Batman was there. I think there was like a photo of the Tumblr, but there was like no context. So it's like, well, what the heck? Like before going into the film, like it looked awful. And, and the tones you know, were very dull. It was just brown. Yeah. 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 And, and, and I, I remember like that was the same summer of the first uh, Fantastic Four. And I remember that having more hype, like more yeah. commercials yeah. and more. Um, and we'll get there when we, when we actually do talk about begins proper in its Fantastic own episode, Four. but, but, <laughs> Oh, Oh, we're going to talk about Fantastic Four. I mean that because I saw them on the same day. Uh, there was a, there was a period of overlap. There was a, <laughs> there was a period of overlap where they were in theaters at the same time. And my uncle said, we're going to see two movies today. And yeah, that was, <laughs> That was an experience, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, it just felt like yeah, it begins with sort of like a sleeper, and and it, it was almost like enough time had passed after Anne Robin where it really did feel like a dead property. Whereas nowadays, if something doesn't work, our immediate inclination is, all right, when's the reboot? You know, when yeah. when when do we get another crack at this? Before I delve into anything else, I just want to ask you a question, Alden. Um, sure. What was the like what? order of films did you watch them in uh we watched fantastic four and then begins okay i was really hoping it was the opposite just so you can go from um you don't have to thank me and you never have to either and straight into you want to fuck me felicia yeah <laughs> <laughs> you know uh... Um, uh but yeah i actually didn't watch batman begins until 2008 and mm. I love Batman. It was just one of those things where it's like, 
I couldn't afford it at the time. I was like too young. I mean, 2005 for me was just purely. I did, I, to be fair, I did go to Fantastic Four in cinemas. But I did. It was all about Star Wars that year for me, to be honest. And it yeah. wasn't until I went to go see The Dark Knight, I was blown away, and I went back and watched Batman Begins. And I was like, damn, I can't believe I missed out on this. Um, well, I, def- I definitely feel it was the same situation as a Burton uh, directing choice as it was for Nolan, where I feel like Warner Brothers probably had a little bit more control over Batman Begins, and like Nolan wasn't able to do everything he wanted to. And then when it got to um, the Dark Knight, he was able to kind of do truly what he wanted, you know, bring it to the like being very inspired by heat and things that people weren't doing with Batman at the time. Where you know, same with where Warner Brothers had a little bit more control over '89, and then Returns, it was all Burton, and then he got fired. So, yeah, absolutely. Uh, to follow on with this film idea, which is Batman Dark Knight. It says, during a vengeful confrontation with a colleague, <laughs> Dr. Kurt Langstrom, Crane unknowingly Whoa. initiates Kirk's transformation into the creature known as Manbat. Citizens of Gotham believe Manbat's nightly activity is to be Batman's bloodthirsty return. Bruce once again becomes Batman to clear his name and solve the mystery of Manbat. Kirk Pretty struggles sure that's with the his... Plot the... That's Sorry? the plot to Godzilla versus Khan, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I, I maybe it is. Um, Bruce once again becomes Batman to clear his name. Kirk struggles with his man versus monster syndrome as he longs to both reunite with his wife and get revenge on Crane, while Crane exacts revenge on those responsible for his dismissal dismissal from both Arkham and the University while encountering truths about his past. The film would have had a darker tone. Warner Bros. formally decided not to move forward with the project in two thousand and one and passed on Batman Dark Knight in favor of other projects. In 2015, the screenplay was released on Amazon. Oh, no. <laughs> so, can I make probably a hot take here? Please. Please. I, yeah. I really hate the character of Man Bat. <gasps> oh, that is a hot take. Yes. Not a fan. How come? I don't have passionate man bat feelings, but I don't hate him. I feel like I don't know if it was a comic book that I there was like a I don't know when I developed my dislike for the character. I, I think it was because when I got back in the comics like around two thousand eight and so or earlier and I was like reading him weekly, I felt like man bat or men or men bats because there was a lot of them and like and there was like a period of time where like everyone is a man bat and now they're ninja man bats like the league of shadows the league of assassins are man bats now like and i just got really sick of it and i just was so over it and i feel like every time something where man bat would pop up i, I don't know like I, I understand the the mere difference of him and Batman, obviously, besides the obvious name choice, but like I don't know, I just I kind of feel like there wasn't much to do with that character, and when they did stuff with the character, like it was always the same thing over and over again. I just felt like there wasn't a lot to explore, and if there was, creatives weren't doing it very well. So you can go ahead and tell me how wrong I am. That's fine. Well, for me, I really love the character because my. The thing I used to watch on repeat 
alongside Batman and Batman Returns, I had the VHS tape of Volume 1 of Batman the Animated Series. And mm. I know people love Heart of Ice, but it, I think purely for nostalgia, it maintains my favorite episode. is actually episode 1, which is on Level Wings. Mm. Because that Car- like that transformation scene scared the fuck out of me <laughs> and i love it like it still freaks me out today i do like the idea of this aspect of you know the cops not really trusting batman and like there's that element of it but also like it's, it's got a nice kind of ending to it where you know he the villain isn't outright villainous and bruce gets to use his detective skills and his brain to actually defeat this particular foe, which that's why I love Man Bat. Also, I don't know if you've seen the Harley Quinn TV show. I still yeah. haven't seen it. There, oh. there's a, there is a, <laughs> there's a scene in season two where uh, there's like a jury rigged court where Bane is the judge. <laughs> uh, the defense, uh, no, the the prosecution is Two Face, and the defense lawyer that is given to Harley <laughs> is just Man Bat in a tie. <laughs> all he does is squatch it's, like it's like you can't understand him that's great oh uh, man the harley quinn show is a goddamn gem it is beautiful you gotta watch it well you know i i can't argue anything with um on leather wings because i i feel there there are some episodes of uh animated series that are a little slow and dull but like i feel like that's not one of them obviously they kind of came out the door swinging um, with that yet being the first two episodes, technically. But I, I feel um, I, I, it's not that representation because I feel like uh, those writers in that show really got it. I just, when he kept appearing in random media, like it was, they didn't know what to do with him. And, you know, that depth of what you just, everything you explained doesn't always follow the character and uh, no yeah it depends on how it's used for sure yeah uh i'm looking up some more facts about uh batman unchained and it says that harley quinn to follow through in your idea of like 90s people mm-hmm. both of the people that were potential like actors cast are both musicians can you guess who they are uh, uh kylie kylie Minogue. Not Kylie. Uh, uh, Courtney Love. Yes. <laughs> really? <laughs> yes. Oh, that's Good awful. Experience. I hate it. I hate that's it so much. Uh, <laughs> I can't believe that. Uh, okay, that's you, one. You, you uh, can't believe that. <laughs> <laughs> Courtney Love and Batman. You know, sometimes I can't tell if I have nostalgia from the '90s or if I deeply. I can't. <laughs> if, if you're you glad to be free, much, we all we, we all went through it. Um, the other one is Madonna. Madonna. Oh, Madonna, really? Yeah, Madonna is she was Harley Quinn. a little old at that point. Not to be that sounds kind of ageist, but I feel like she would already kind of pass that. She, yeah, she would have been a good Allie '80s Jean. Harley Quinn. Yeah. Also, I feel like um, in the late nineties, Madonna was in her like very bizarre phase of her existence. And I feel yeah. like I just got home. They She's like on a, like a Gwen Stefani, you know, circa Tragic Kingdom as Harley Quinn. If great. they want to do a musician, apparently in Batman, Joel Schumacher's Batman Dark Knight, 
there was talk of Terence Stamp playing Dr. Langstrom. Interesting. Oh, okay. That would have been, kind of, been cool. Also, you know, if they did make that movie and it being the 90s, the movie poster would be just like DK. It would, it would be the letters DK for Dark Knight. Uh, yeah, this is like 1998-99. So. It would be a black poster with giant bold DK and it would have a bat symbol within the letters. Because they yeah. were all about those abbreviations. And yeah, back then. See, yeah. I'm a marketing genius in every decade. I I, I <laughs> see that. I, I feel it coming through strong. That's exactly what it would have been. And maybe you could have, have redeemed the uh, maybe DJ, you could have redeemed the relationship with McDonald's. You could have gotten them back on, on board. I, I'm going to be honest with my job now. I often um, request really stupid. I, I always come out there with jokes that will never come to be. But, you know, if I can get. <laughs> A marketing campaign at the level of like a wild wild west i would be happy <laughs> wild wild west my my standard for like those tie-ins in marketing is always uh when the backstreet boys had action figures in the happy meals that was the yeah. that was the greatest <laughs> or oh, wasn't it one uh, of my most britney and was it britney and uh not the backstreet boys but nsync i think they had like a cd didn't they yeah, I think they had a CD. Backstreet Boys had the action figures with their like Millennium costumes, and then, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, that was a that was a time. That was a time. All you we need is you, all you need is a is you need to promote a film that includes the story point about murdering babies. <laughs> oh well, you know. <laughs> and then you're yeah. There's not enough of that. There isn't enough. Nothing like you know? killing all of Gotham's firstborns and uh, biting into a whopper. Or not a Whopper, a Big Mac. <laughs> hey, it's 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 like the Bible. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he's, is... he's, hey, if Zack Snyder can make Superman Jesus, the Penguin, Oswald Cobblepot is so Moses. But I was also... about to say, like, I wonder if Zack Snyder has strong opinions on returns. He bet I not. We should invite him on, Charlie. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, have you guys had Zack Snyder on here? <laughs> oh, we might as well. Um, oh man, DJ, what's your so what came film after? Uh, of, sorry, oh. what was your favorite film of the four originals? Uh, you know, it's really hard. Um, I don't. So I have a tradition. Uh, every Christmas, I watch Batman Returns. Good luck. Just and I have that my my girlfriend deals with. I love <laughs> Batman Returns like unapologetically. Um, Eighty nine though. It, yeah, we'll see, and that's the thing. Like in '89, I have a lot of passion for. As I look at, like across my on my desk, I have like my Hot Toys Jack Nicholson and my Hot Toys oh. Returns Keaton. Oh, I have I've spent so much money. I, I, I before I moved to San Francisco and then to LA, I I was living back home in Las Vegas, and I had a three bedroom house um, because it's cheap out there, and like I had an entire Batman room. And it was just nuts. But, you know, I I, I want to say, like, I, I have a deep-rooted love for 89. But I think Returns, I watch a lot more. Um, mm. And just because I, I, there's just a, a lot going on in that film that I feel is just perfect. Which is always funny when I look at all the, the, the drama behind the film and, like, the how people took it. And especially, like, the McDonald's stuff and how Warner Brothers looked at it. You know, I look at it and I just go, this is, a, this is great. This is wonderful. Yeah, I don't know. 
it's i mean retrospectively it's like it's, it's it, it holds up in my opinion um it's i think more the um woke than i think people would have realized i i think for me cosmetically it is gorgeous it is a beautifully shot film uh the way the colors are done um but i think something that i feel is not talked about enough is how beautiful and how perfect that score is for that film um the score is is utterly divine i i i mean my go-to tracks for batman is still from 89 which is the journey into uh, descent into mystery yes but it's the best that whole scene that scene that sequence is my favorite batman live action it's just so good but we are so alike you and i i mean this is is what i'm saying see alden batman i'm just listening to you guys go on and on and on and disrespect the real goat of the four which is forever i'm kidding uh, no, but I, I, do love, I do love. I do like. You're not wrong. <laughs> the tracks, uh, the cemetery, and the Selena transformation. The transforms uh, tracks from that soundtrack are oh yeah, freaking just chef kiss. My, um, but no, I mean, sorry. The finale though, like that. That again, like if you would say my favorite comic book moments of all time, uh, my favorite Batman moment of all time is the scene with Bruce and Selena both you know openly in their costumes and like physically taking their masks off and sort of mm-hmm. combining both elements of these split personalities they have attempting to try and pretend that they can be okay but both knowing they can't and it's the most heartbreaking sequence and it also has great comedy with um fucking christopher walken going bruce wayne why are you just like batman <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so good. Because he, <laughs> he is Batman, Let's... you moron. Let's make a mayor. <laughs> so good. You want the fish, Oswald? <laughs> <laughs> that 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 whole film again. It's still for me, is the best Batman film of all time. Yeah. Um, will that change? Probably not. Oh, we'll see with the Batman, I guess. That's the one that I'm interested in seeing. But yeah, because for for me, I feel the same way. Because as much as I love like the Dark Knight, I never really saw. I don't know. I don't know. It's because I consume so many cartoons, movies, comics. It's not gothic. I feel like it's not gothic enough, and I feel like it's a better crime drama in the vein of like what Nolan was trying to do, like a heat. Yeah. And the things that are happening in that movie that I love are like the stuff with Harvey Dent and the mom, like the stuff that he was focusing on because that's what Nolan was clearly interested in. But the Batman elements were, are, you know, I, I hate to say this out loud, but no, uh, Kristen Bale is definitely not my favorite Batman because I felt like he really kind of struggled uh, matching that Bruce Wayne and uh, Batman I don't know. Like he just never came up on, on screen and like captured my imagination of what that character is. Um, yeah. It's really interesting, you know, t- talking about that balance and everything, you know, because it, that, my, you know, my issue with the, the Nolan Batman in retrospect is sort of like how that Batman is a, he's a product of Ra's al Ghul and Lucius and Gordon and Bruce. And like, it, it's a, 
it's like a project almost like it's a, it's, it's a crime drama sort of, I mean, I, we made fun of Matt Reeves at DC fandom for saying the phrase criminological experiment as many times as we possibly could. <laughs> but <laughs> that Nolan one is sort of a criminological experiment. Like he has ninja training, he has these gadgets and resources, but he is, he has not mythologized himself as much as I think Nolan thinks he did, you yeah. know, with the whole, like, but if I can be a symbol, you know, all that stuff is, it, it's great. You know, it, 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 and the thematically, I think it works for the most part, but there is no like uh creature of the night element. There's no larger than life sort of, especially when it's, you know, fighting with, you know, alongside the cops in broad daylight, you know, and we'll get to that eventually, but we'll get, to that. um, um, yeah, I will there's say, certain elements of that. For me, the Nolan films, I love the Nolan films, but like, well, as you said, like him playing Batman, I think he plays a good Batman, but I don't think he plays the Batman. It, again, it's the way I view these films in my specific mind as it being like an Elseworlds. Nolan's world is certainly different to the comic books. And when people say, oh, it's the best Batman, there's this weird sort of notion of like, this is what has, this is what the character should be, which I don't think is what really people should be diving into. Mm-hmm. If anything, the Batman looks to be very much like the origins of the character, which I'm really interested in seeing. But and that looks to... goth based on what we've seen yeah. of that of what Reeves is doing. Like Bat- the Nolan films are very much of a post 9-11 world. It's trying to recapture. The... It's not like he lied about it from the get go. Nolan said this is Batman if it was real, which I appreciate yeah. that yeah. free film process. Well, yeah, and also but... with with Nolan, you know, he he's a filmmaker first and foremost, and mm. he is trying to do. He just wants to make movies that he wants to make. Like he wants to make a, like a movie that's based on like a a crime drama, like a Heat, um, yeah, or hell, even Point Break in a way. Like, and that's why it's Batman Begins, Dark Knight, and Dark Knight Rises are so drastically different from each other. And I think that's my issue with the trilogy is that they're so all over the place. Um, but, you know, it was Nolan being able to do things with camera work and sets. I mean, like the, the, the opening scene of Dark Knight Rises is so, it's good, but it's like Nolan wanted to shoot something with a plane. Like, so he wrote yeah. something that fits that because yeah, he knew Warner Brother would foot the bill. Exactly. It's the ambitions of of him getting out his his filmmaking uh, desires, his bond fandom, his, you know, his his yeah. admiration for things like you said, like, you know, like Michael Mann, like Scorsese, like it has all of these elements, but it feels like the element that matters the least to him is the element that I think a lot of us you know, is what resonates with a lot of us, which is sort of that that mythological nature, you know, and, and it, it just feels like there's something there, some some larger than life aspect that's always missing. Any any my issue with that is that, you know, I'm not the biggest fan of the Burton movies. Like Charlie has made me like over the course of these episodes, 89 and Returns more than I ever have. Particularly Returns, 89 I can still sort of take or leave, but Returns I really do have a stronger appreciation for now. But um, those movies lean into what they are, whereas mm-hmm. Nolan is always sort of apologizing for. You know, within the material, he's apologizing for some of the heightened aspects, but he chooses to have his cake and eat it too in certain ways where it's like 
this is the Batman, you know, the way it would be in our real world. Here is a machine that can remove all the water in the air without killing human <laughs> beings that have water in their bodies. Like, it's like he it's only as realistic as he wants it to be in the moment. You know, like my big thing with Rises has always been you do. A, he does a whole scene trying to over explain and make Bruce truly broken. He has no cartilage left in his knee until a knee brace that makes it so that that doesn't matter. And then when he gets broken, he no longer has that knee brace and he gets his dark Knight suit back, which doesn't have the knee brace, but it doesn't matter because Wayne enterprises back in 2005 did not care about the armed military's usage of knee fixing devices. He just had to use it. Yeah. I, yeah, we'll get there. But, um, ironically, Ironically, I think that the worst movie that we're going to be talking about, which we will get to, which for me is Batman v Superman, I think is is just not good. Uh, I think that it has within it visually and execution wise the best Batman. It's just that the script serves him in zero ways. Yeah, I think what's um, interesting with these films, and we won't talk talk too much about the future stuff because obviously we want to keep that fresh, but. I will say the character has different elements to it, which can be reflected throughout the films, throughout culture and stuff. And none of it's wrong. Like the same way that is the sixties Batman is the definitely the same as the 89 Batman is definitely the same as the Batman V Superman, whatever they're all right. But for me, it has to have a specific element that stands out. And I know for some people, it's the, He's great at being a fighter. It's, he doesn't need weapons. It's, you know, whatever. For me, it's the gothic element. Batman without a gothic sensibility. Batman without a dark Gotham city with art deco-ish like buildings and sort of theatrical villains isn't Batman. There's a level of, yeah, there's a level of romanticism that I think needs to be there um, to make that character not seem ridiculous. Like, it's a gothic story, absolutely. Yeah, I, I remember sitting in the theater for Dark Knight Rises and like the scene, does any scene where Batman was in daylight just was, it was just weird and off-putting to me because I'm just like, this is just strange and it just doesn't fit the romantic image of what that character is. And like, I, I guess I just always looked at the animated series and was like, this is perfect. Why can't they just do this? And, you know, without... I, I think that's just the bureaucracy of Hollywood where, you know, filmmakers don't always have complete control of what they want, or sometimes the filmmakers who are put in charge don't care. And you're, I think it's going to be a rare case for you to get everything you want in a perfect incarnation of um, the character. And I think that's why the first four Batman films uh, of the 90s were so as pure as they were was because I don't think uh, the studio cared enough. Like they're, they're, or at least they they weren't involved. Like they're like, do whatever you want. Um, I'm surprised forever was the way it was after the crash and burn of the great McDonald's backlash of returns. But, you know, I'm, I'm thankful that Schumacher did the movies he did because I feel that forever um, it's very different in taste, but that is also a gorgeous film, and I also really enjoy it. Yeah. 
Well, speaking of other films, why don't we just wrap up some of these other may have been films, which, first of all, there was, just to go over quickly, there was potentially going to be a Robin spinoff, which Chris O'Donnell revealed in 2012. Um, you know? Where he gets another earring. <laughs> <laughs> Where we find out oh, what happened no. to the other brother that he apparently had. That's the weirdest, that's the weirdest introduction in Baron Forever, is the idea that there was another kid that just dies. <laughs> that um, was Jason Todd Grayson. Oh, <laughs> come on. They just, they just let him die in, in the dick origin. Shouldn't have sent a boy wonder to do a man's job. Exactly. <laughs> 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 like from the movie. Adopted <laughs> son. My favorite thing is that for some reason Zack Snyder and Chris Terrio seem to like realize that realize really basic things in the way that children do. So like with the Martha <laughs> thing, it's like oh, they're both called Martha. We should use that. <laughs> and in this one, he looks at he goes, "Holy shit, Chris!" He's like, "What?" And he goes, "Have you noticed how the words truce and Bruce rhyme <laughs> with Bruce?" <laughs> what if a the truce, Joker could do magic? Bruce. Why is he happy about that? Why is he like, ha, look, I've realized that your name rhymes with Bruce and Truce. Isn't that great? It's like, that's not, there's no boom. This is like, but it's the Joker, like in the post-apocalyptic times, like he's like scraping the bottom of the barrel of like his material. (laughs) He's like, like, it's like his last jokes in his joke book. He's like, Truce. Bruce, all right. I guess, I guess we'll he doesn't do have he doesn't have the free time to work on his type five. He has to yeah. like be worried about <laughs> exactly pa- uh, you know parademons and stuff like that. Um, oh god, just, just I have so many so many things I want to say about a lot of stuff, but well, know, maybe we'll get you back to make sure you use the Snyder Cup. The, the Snyder's the make, yeah. the make sure that your patrons are getting their money's worth. I'm not gonna. <laughs> I mean, we're gonna have to. We're definitely gonna have to split that into two parts because there's no way I'm watching. No, I won't do it again. There's no way I'm editing a four-hour film. No, God, no. But uh, yeah, so there was a, there was that Robin thing, and then what's the next one on your list? So we've got Batman Year One and Batman Beyond. So this is what, as mentioned before, these two films were basically like pitched against each other, which is very weird in my opinion. Um, So by September two thousand. Warner Bros. was developing a live-action screen adaptation of Batman Beyond, written by Paul Dini, Neil Stevenson, and Boaz Yakin, with the possibility of Yakin directing, as well as an adaptation of Frank Miller's 1987 comic book story, Batman Year One. Despite interest from uh, Schumacher, the studio amazed and pleased fans by hiring Darren Aronofsky to direct and co-write with Miller, whom he previously collaborated on with an unproduced script for Ronin. Yakin developed one of the drafts of the Batman Beyond screenplay of the writers, but soon lost interest. And Warner Brothers abandoned Batman Beyond almost instantly in favor of Batman Year One. Aronofsky and Miller intended to reboot the Batman franchise. It's somewhat based on the comic book, Aronofsky said. Toss out everything you can imagine about Batman. Everything. (laughs) We're starting completely anew. Uh, Regular Aronofsky collaborator Matthew Libertique was set as cinematographer. And Christian Bale had been approached for the role of Batman. Coincidentally, Bale would be cast in the role for Batman Begins. 
At the same time, Warner Brothers was moving forward on the Catwoman spinoff, which I don't know if you guys had heard about. Uh, Aronofsky pursued... I think it, originally it, it was for Pfeiffer, and then they mm. turned it into what would become Catwoman. Um, <laughs> what a downgrade. What if, what if Catwoman was multiple people, and what if she was a graphic designer? <laughs> or what if she and what if, had the powers of an Egyptian cat? What if the plot revolved around makeup that could make people's faces crack? <laughs> hey man, that's Batman 89's plot as well. I never made uh, that connection until this moment. <laughs> um, I regret being on this podcast. I'm How so dare sorry. you? <laughs> How dare you? No, they, they actually did it properly. Uh, Aronofsky Love that Joker. Love that Joker. Aronofsky Joaquin Phoenix? Joaquin Phoenix for the lead role. Well, okay, okay, let me just start this again, okay? Clear your mind. All right. Aronofsky pursued Joaquin Phoenix for the lead role while Warner Brothers favoured Freddie Prince Jr. I mean, look, man. I think Bloodhaven sucks. <laughs> I ride hard for some Kane and Jarrus, alright? He... I love Freddie Prince Jr., <laughs> but I'm glad that he didn't get this role because he wouldn't have been able to play Fred. That is true. That is yeah. true. I mean, but um, is Fred Jones any different? They're basically the same character. Pretty much. Yeah, truly. Um, uh, the, yeah, the Aronofsky, the Aronofsky. There's art for that. I don't know if you've if you've looked of like the concepts for that bat suit, and it looks weird. <laughs> like it's <laughs> a weird suit. I actually I'll have to put it in our group chat if you haven't seen it. Yeah, I'll show yeah, you. Please send it to me, and I'll. Uh, it says uh, the Aronofsky Miller script had a brooding Batman and realistic violence, and would have been R-rated. <laughs> oh, of course. Uh, Every good superhero movie is R-rated. Oh, you know, have you heard that violence is good? Apparently, he says, "Fuck yeah, I'm joking." Um, and I will fucking kill you. Huh? <laughs> uh, when Bill interview... Finger wrote Batman, that was his idea. He was like, he originally, oh, sure. yeah. absolutely. One day, oh, I'm thinking of the wrong suit. This one's actually not that weird, but I'm thinking of <laughs> I confused it with the the with Gerard Way's never used sketches that ended up being statues. Oh, okay. Got, you got to send it anyway. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I did. I mean, that's just straight up a mixture of Year One and a Pirate Batman. Yeah. <laughs> I love the long ears. I wish we. I hope we get long ears at one point. I thought Pattinson suit was going to have long ears, and and I, I don't get me wrong. I like the cow that he's yeah. getting, but um, yeah. So what what comes after Aronofsky? I forget. Uh, yeah, so in June 2002, the studio decided to move forward on Batman versus Superman <laughs> and abandon year one. In 1999, new Warner studio head Alan Horn promised five tentpoles a year. He wanted to revive the Batman and Superman franchises as tentpoles. Wolfgang Peterson was to direct Superman Flyby, but Andrew Kevin Walker pitched Warner Brothers an idea tied Batman versus Superman with. And Flyby was the JJ script, I believe. What was that? Yeah, that's the one. The J.J. Abrams' Superman flyby ends with the revelation that Lex Luthor is Kryptonian. Oh. Okay, well, we'll, we'll ignore that for a bit. Uh, Superman also, flyby was put on hold. And, the and somehow goes. Palpatine has returned. It's fine. Yeah. 
Steady. Um, Superman <laughs> Flyby was put on hold, and Akiva Goldsman was hired to rewrite Walker's Batman vs. Superman. Uh, Goldsman's draft, dated June 21st, 2002, had Bruce Wayne going through a mental breakdown after his five year retirement from crime fighting. Dick Grayson, Alfred Pennyworth, and Commissioner Gordon are all dead, <laughs> but Bruce finds some solace in his fiancee, Elizabeth Miller. Meanwhile, Clark Kent is struggling because of her recent divorce from Lois Lane. This is like the most shittest script idea ever. I feel like if I were to make a Batman movie, I feel like it was my duty just to make a film where everybody's having a pretty good time. Like everyone's happy, nothing bad's going on. Like their relationships are doing well, no one's depressed. Everyone's having a good this time. This is this is surprisingly very close to the actual film we got. Let me just go back. Um, meanwhile, Clark Kent is struggling because of a recent divorce from Lois Lane. Clark and Bruce are close friends, and Clark is Bruce's best man. After the Joker kills Elizabeth on their honeymoon, Bruce swears revenge, while Clark tries to hold him back. Bruce blamed Clark for her death, and the two go against one another. Ultimately, Lex Luthor is revealed to have masterminded the entire plot to get Batman and Superman <laughs> to the stranger. other. The two decided to team up against Luthor. Bell was approached to portray Batman, while Josh Hartnett was offered the role of Superman. Oh, I can see that. Who's going to be Batman? Well, um, Christian. Uh, oh crap! Why am I Christian Bell? Oh, Bell. Okay. But please tell me there was an underlining plot point where Lois has to go to Hall, uh, go to Washington D.C. to investigate bullets. Oh my god! <laughs> oh my god! My favorite, my favorite part. But what you that. don't understand, what you don't understand, guys, is that the general from Man of Steel is really the Martian Manhunter. I like how he like didn't trust Superman because he was an alien, and then it turned out he was one. That's cool. <laughs> oh, it's fantastic. I, I uh, love that scene. We'll get to it again in the future, but that the scene where Lois is drowning and then Superman goes to save her, but because there's kryptonite, he starts drowning and then she tries to save him, and then they both start drowning. That was great. Phenomenal. Um, really, the Citizen yeah. Kane of our time. Really. I'm still reeling from how good it was. Let me tell you. I don't even mind. That and you got to watch the three. You got to you got to watch the ultimate version. I mean. I I know how much you hate it, but honestly, the 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 three hour version fills in the gaps that make it make a little sense because it makes it so much removed, better. Yeah, the thirty minutes they removed from the movie was literally them explaining what Lex Luthor was trying to do, and it's like <laughs> pretty much. <laughs> there are so many other things they could have cut from the film, but yeah, the, I I I still like the film, the Ultimate Edition. I have not watched yeah. the theatrical edition ever since because it's it's so bad. But the the, the thirty minute extra actually makes a difference in my in my opinion. Um, so filming yeah. will start. Filming is set to start in early two thousand three, with plans for a five to six month shoot. The release date was set for the summer of two thousand four. However, Warner Brothers cancelled development to focus on individual Superman and Batman projects after Abram submitted another draft for Superman Flyby. According to Peterson, Alan Horton was so torn because it's such a fascinating concept to do Batman vs. Superman film, it isn't. Uh, Horn reportedly preferred Abrams' optimistic Superman script to the darker Batman vs. Superman script. Studio executives voted 11 to 1 for the former. Many comic book <laughs> fans agreed. 
David has got it. said, Batman vs. Superman is where you go when you admit to yourself that you've exhausted all possibilities. Somewhat of an admission <laughs> that this franchise is on its last grasp. Since the decision left the studio without Batman film for 2004, Warner quickly made Catwoman, <laughs> which performed poorly at the box office. And isn't this the around the exact same time that George Miller's Justice League Mortal is being almost this made? This is where I'm about to get to. That was, that was 2008, yeah, because that was... Right so, when yeah. Dark Knight. Well, that's that's a uh, actual actual cannibal army hammer. That's <laughs> Batman. No, we're getting in into February it now. Two- <laughs> in February 2007, during pre-production for The Dark Knight, Warner Bros. hired husband and wife screenwriter duo Michelle and Kieran Mulroney to script a Justice League film featuring a younger Batman in a separate franchise. George Miller was hired to direct. The following September with Army Hammer, aka <laughs> Mr. Yeah. You know, let's just we just be glad we haven't got him <laughs> as Batman. Teresa Palmer as Tali Al Ghul. Filming had commenced at Fox Studios Australia and Sydney, but was pushed back over the Writers Guild of America strike. And once more when the Australian Film Commission denied Warner Bros. a forty five percent tax rebate over lack of Australian acts in the film. Uh, but yeah, Warner Brothers ultimately cancelled Justice League following the success of The Dark Knight. Hammer's option on these contract lapsed and the studio was more willing to proceed with The Dark Knight trilogy. And then well, also um, the OnStar commercials. <laughs> so, <laughs> are you guys aware of this? Yep. Oh yes. Yeah. yes. So yeah, the Batman OnStar commercials were a series of six televisional Televisional? Uh, six television commercials featuring Batman, created by ad agency Campbell Award, and aired from 2000 to the beginning of 2002. They were based on the Tim Burton and Joel Schumacher films, and used aesthetics, props, and settings of the series. In addition to the Elfman theme, actor Bruce Thomas portrayed Batman in the ads, while Michael Gow portrayed Alfred again. Baywatch actress Brooke Burns played Vicky Vale. <laughs> Actor Brian Stepanak, who I don't know if you know is... Uh, from The Sweet it, Life of Zack and Cody. Yes, Arwen, the janitor from yeah. The Sweet yeah. Life. <laughs> plays the Riddler. And Curtis Armstrong plays the Joker, which I think is incredible um, casting. Um, so, also, I mean, we haven't brought up the... Um, and this was very similar to the game, but the Birds of Prey TV show, where... Like all the mm. flashback scenes were very heavy on, like uh, Burton Batman, and then except for the fact that Mark Hamill did the voice of the Joker, but it was it was the same almost. Pretty much, like they yeah. were trying to figure out if it was a continuation. Yeah, yeah. the show was awful, but you know, <laughs> their their heart was in the right place. But it gave us Mia Sarah as an as an older Harley Quinn. <laughs> And brought awesome. back those characters from Birds of Prey in Crisis. Which is hilarious. Did they really? Yeah. Oh, man. I haven't gotten that had, far. Well, had, I, I'm going to be honest, I haven't watched many seasons of Arrow or Flash, so I I stopped a while ago. You're missing out, man. Well, you missed, do, do you know about who appears in Crisis? Is that the one where uh, they make Brandon Routh like his Superman again, and yes, or is this something else? No, okay. it's that one. But they also show the uh, the Batman, the Burton verse. 
Yeah, they they bring back Knox. They brought Knox back, and Bruce and Selena yeah. are getting married apparently in behind the scenes. They didn't actually show it in the episode, but there was actually like a a printed out document, like a newspaper with like Bruce and Selena are getting Knox is in it, and uh, don't they? And they also go to sixty six because isn't Burt Ward in it too? Yeah, oh, Burt yeah, Ward's yeah, in yeah. Dick Grayson. I met Burt Ward once. And Titans. <laughs> Wait, what? And... No, yeah, I met Burt Ward. Well, I, so I have a, I collect screen prints and art, and I have a Batman 66 screen print, and I went to go. I was going to get Burt Ward and Adam West to sign it, and unfortunately, uh, a week before I was supposed to meet him, Adam West passed away. He couldn't hold out one more week. Uh, <laughs> so so that sucked. Yes, how rude of him. Goodbye, uh, DJ. I... <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to meet you, but I gotta die. <laughs> um, it's time for me to shake off this mortal coil. <laughs> <laughs> well, DJ, Super get these prints signed. Cowardly lot. <laughs> Uh, so the, the the plus side of this was that coming in at the last minute to replace him was the one, the only Julie Newmar. So that was nice. Uh, she called me handsome and I died. So nice. oh, that's wonderful. <laughs> she even Adam wrote West. to DJ. She also wrote to DJ. Perfect. Julie Newmar. Uh-huh. Anyways, but Burt Ward was very uh... awkward and he kept trying to sell his dog food, which I guess he makes. Um, <laughs> But he wrote he that, like he I'm looking at Smith as well. Yeah, yeah I know. I, he he. It, it's framed on my wall right now, and it, he wrote Zap and he wrote DJ, and then I think he was supposed to make like an explanation mark, but it looks like a question mark. But the <laughs> like the dot, the dot in the mark is a giant circle, and he drew a weird happy face in it. And it's like Zap DJ Burt Ward Robin. <laughs> So I'll, I'll I'll send you I'll send you guys a photo of this later. Please do look at it. And it's yeah, I'm so excited. I like the idea of it. It's him working at a riddle. Ah, yeah, exactly. what could this mean, Rob? A canary with a machine gun. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, they're so good. Oh um, yeah, but yes, yeah. good times, good times. <laughs> Um, yeah, also taking place during this time, obviously, that we mentioned earlier, something I think has affected all of us, really, is the animated series, Batman and the Animated Series, by um, Paul Dini and Bruce Timm. Never heard of it. Basically, in 1990... <laughs> no, no, I mean, come on. We have all have to, we all have to admit, we've cried more than once at this show. Yep. This universe. In fact, this week I tweeted. Um, there was a the viral trend of about cartoons that make you cry, and I posted that one scene from Justice League Unlimited, which is the the, the flashback episode. Of yes, holy shit! Holy shit, that's rough. Oh, that whole sequence, and then when you realize that that's why the dogs got days, mm-hmm. and it's like, oh shit. Okay, well now I'm never yeah. watch Batman Beyond. So. Yeah, that that definitely is one of the best. Um, Batman stories out there is that was the is the episode epilogue? Which one is that? Epilogue, yeah, it's something, yeah, yeah it's, where they tie in Justice League to Terry. 
Yeah, it. I mean, it's kind of a weird oh by the way, but it's it's beautiful and really sad. Very sad, and I really love the way they end the episode. It being a reversal of the beginning of on Leather Wings. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The, the, the yeah. All of that stuff is good. I mean, again, like I said earlier, like everything, you know, Batman TAS, the new Batman Adventures, Beyond Justice League, the entire DCAU, uh, to me, in a lot of ways, is the definitive DC. I mean, like it just, mm-hmm. it just works on all levels. It's character first. They don't shy away from anything. They find a, find a way to meld storylines together to adapt what they want, to create what they want. And, you know, the Kevin Conroy Batman, you know, and I include Arkham in this as well, that that character. I mean, like, I, I've I don't think I've said this off air, but I'll say it here and we can talk about it later off air. I think we should do all three of those games on this show as a season. I think that'd be awesome because, mm. you know, that version that is is consistent with the animated version and that those, you know, you know, it can't be said enough. Mark Hamill, uh, you know, John Glover, just like everybody that is, is part of that just really found I, the true essence. I would argue that like the first two are, but like uh, with. Um, what the hell was the Oh, Knight. Third one? Oh, Knight. I am an Arkham yeah. Knight defender, so be careful here. Well, <laughs> no, no. I mean, it's a pretty movie, uh, a game, but like. I think the game would be perfect if it wasn't for the damn Batmobile crap. Um, I never really... But, yeah. Have you I played it with the A9 Batmobile, though? Yeah, but you can't uh, you can't play, you can play the Batmobile game, except for the rate. You, know, you, you, uh, you can play the costume, but like the Batmobile, it's you only for the racing the... levels, right? No, you can, you can use the... Uh, you can use the Batmobile in the actual game, but you just can't use it what? for like... Like after you can you know, like the free play afterwards, you can do it then. You can't you can't use weapons, but you can use those cars. Well, it <laughs> changes everything. I yeah. take everything back. Uh, <laughs> no, I mean Paul. I'll see if I can send Paul you a picture. He didn't write that. I think yeah. he did not. No. Well, what a waste of my life. What I've been doing the last five years, six <laughs> years. Uh, I'm ex- I, I am excited for um, the new game with the Bat Family. So we'll see. Mm. Oh yeah, I'm here for any Gotham good Knight. Jason Todd content. Yeah, I'm just excited I'm still, that it's Tim. I love that boy. Who cares about Tim? It, I'm still, I'm still getting used to uh, the idea of Damien being like a, like a. I mean, I like the character, but like, it's still weird to me because I remember when they introduced him to the comics and stuff like that. It was kind of strange, but now that it's, I guess when they introduce characters in comic books, you never know if they're going to become a permanent staple within that brand. Um, because some, so many characters come and go and so many stories change, people die, people come back to life. And I always felt like at first Damien seemed kind of like a gimmick. I mean, like why would Batman have a son? But now it's become such a permanent element of that character in comics, games, animated series, animated movies. I'm curious to see when we actually see Damien pop up in uh, the films. Yeah. Yeah. And I think you have to be very careful there. That's one of the things I'm very worried about is the idea, obviously. Because sometimes I think people in the comics and and other mediums forget. Certainly sometimes DC seems to forget. Which is that he's half Arabic. Um, Oh, yeah. He's Middle Eastern. 
and you know when you have like the there's a really weird like I'm so glad they like retrospectively changed it or like just stopped publishing it where they did like a a young adult book where not only do they make him look white but they're like oh yeah he calls himself Ian <laughs> I was like no <laughs> well this is Batman's son Ian <laughs> Well, he's, he's oh, Damien, yeah. but he goes, but I like to be called Ian. I'm like, no, you don't. Stop being white. You're not white. You're no, a... you, like, you like to be the, the demon's grandson. Come on. Be the vicious little bastard I know you are. I adore Damien. He's one of my favorite characters. It's weird to think that that character yeah. is 15 years old. As in, like... Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, yeah. In terms of comics. I mean, even, like, I was thinking the other day about Morrison Batman... And I felt I was like, oh, like Batman Incorporated, like thinking about it like that was the other day. Batman Incorporated was 10 years ago, if not more. It ended in yeah. 2012, right? 2013. Yeah, because it was like it was a crossover when the, that stayed when they did New 52. So it's 10 or 11. But yeah, let's see here. When's, when did New 52 happen? Was that 12, 2012, 2011? Mm-hmm. 2011. Yeah. As I'm looking through my books, I don't know. Yeah, I, I mean, Court of Owls is something I really loved. Uh, I love the concept of that. So it's exciting to see them being also introduced into the wider so scope of things. So good. They're pretty yeah, good in was... Gotham. You guys, did you guys watch Gotham? I, I watched the... exactly seven episodes of Gotham. <laughs> <laughs> I really like I... Uh, Cameron Monaghan's Joker. Yeah, yeah. I it was weird when I I met him up at the office because he was there for Jedi Fallen Order, mm. and like everybody was excited about that. And I just wanted because I think Gotham had just wrapped at that point when he was there. It, it was it was not long. Finished. It was not long after it ended, and it was really weird. Like I would, I wanted to kind of gush over it and be like, "You were so good." Yeah, that's what I was gonna say. Like. When he, because they announced the game at celebration, and then he was just like on the floor walking by, and I was like, I really want to go up to him and be like, "You're all really good as the Joker. <laughs> Don't listen to anyone else, okay? You're a very good Joker." But you know, again, it's one of those weird like Elseworld things, and obviously, you know. Yeah, I, I'm a Gotham defender. I think the first season was slow, and then I think it got good. It's one of those things as well where I think one of the biggest drawbacks for me was that I would listen to the Kevin Smith uh, what's the, the Fat Man on Batman podcasts at the time mm-hmm. and when he had Paul Dini on and they like pitched this really idea of a cool young Bruce Wayne show and then like a week later they announced Gotham and I was like oh for god's sake what yeah. we could have yeah. had yeah, I just I'll have to give it its due maybe at some point, but or watch like best of like have somebody just tell me watch what the, best the just watch are. the Velasca stuff. Well, because like I I I remember you know those the I think the half of season one that I watched uh, seven or eight episodes, I remember really liking Bullock and I thought that you know Mackenzie's Gordon was pretty good. I was sort of just like all right, when are you gonna grow a mustache? But that was that's just nitpicking. But then like <laughs> the stuff with his. Up his ex-wife and just like or or who who is Barbara but then she's apparently a villain later on I was like oh, what's going on here I, I yeah I yeah. I get that and I feel like some of that stuff like there was a lot of fluff that didn't really go anywhere but I feel like the unique take on Riddler and Penguin and a lot of the characters 
you know, I guess it's as close as we're going to get to like a Gotham uh, PD uh, version from the comics. And, you know, I, I think I really like the concept that they were trying to do Gotham with before Batman, but didn't realize really quickly that that was not marketable at all. And they're like, <laughs> never mind. Everyone's here. It's Firefly, everyone. <laughs> like, yeah, like it was just like I, I enjoyed some of the proto villains, but yeah, it definitely had the show had a little bit of an identity crisis. Like I liked the, you know, the enigma that worked at the GCPD. And I thought that, you know, a couple of those ideas were pretty clever. And um that penguin is pretty strong, I thought, from what I saw. But, the final episode, yeah. I know people like made fun of the uh, the suit that Bruce has, which to be fair, like you only see it for like five seconds, so it's like kind of making fun of like it's not like when people made fun of um, the Smallville thing. It's like there's no really point to it. You only see it for like five seconds. Um, we're 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 missing the most important part about Gotham is that they brought back Paul Rubens as Oswald Cobblepot's father. Which is yeah, that's no, pretty great. That's great. And also they had um, who played his mom again? That was someone big. Wasn't Did it? she come back? No, but someone. Yeah, big she was a comedian. Yeah, I can't think who who plays the mum again. Um, but the last episode is like I really like what they did with Joker's look, and I also really liked how they made they took the Riddler and the Penguin, and then just straight up gave them like sixty six looks. Yeah, which I thought was pretty pretty fun. Um, but yeah, animated series wise, I think what's interesting is what you said there, Auden about how like the show is like the best version of DC characters. In mm. my mind, what's interesting retrospectively is that I think that actually the DCAU has one of the most cynical Batman stories, but kind of earned that. You mean like just overall, like tracking him from... Tracking his roots mm. and the way he affects characters it's a very kind of cynical, not cynical in like a negative sense, but actually he has a rough time of it. And so do the people around. He does. He does. And I mean, like, look at where he ends up and beyond and, and and sort of how things end up for him. Like, well, yeah. And I think that's why mask of the phantasm is why it's the masterpiece that it is where you really kind of see the struggle of, like the scene when Bruce Wayne is like in front of his parents' grave and is asking permission to be happy again. Yeah. Is first of all, like I I I don't think I saw this in theaters in ninety-three, but I just kind of, I'm trying to wrap my mind of like how a kid would like fully grasp what is happening in that film. <laughs> well, to be uh, fair, the only people in the cinema were like a family and Mark Hamill. Yeah, yeah. apparently. Uh, but it's, that um, film is is just. I mean, that's one of the special films we've saved to be one of the films we're going to be playing, right? I think that's the case. Uh, yes, yeah, that'll be in the standalone season. Can't so we'll you guys haven't done that yet. So, like, our season oh. will have that season will have uh, Phantasm, Lego Batman, a couple other things. Yeah, what was the other thing? I want to. I want to do Return of the Joker, which. In my opinion, if you're not going to mention the live-action movies, because I feel like Batman Returns is still my favorite, but I feel like my favorite iteration of the character is uh, Return of the Joker. Because Return of the Joker up, is phenomenal. Like, that whole 
like I love Terry McGuinness. I love that whole Batman Beyond thing. The way that Warner Brothers forced this really shitty idea onto Paul Dini and Bruce Tim, and they managed to make something very interesting and so much better out of that idea. And then it's really messed up <laughs> when they came so up. So oh, it's, it's, it's absolutely devastating. I, I mean, I I really think that you know with uh with phantasm that film and i would say under the red hood you have a a trinity of just incredible batman films that are criminally slept on because of the medium that they were made in the thing about that film though in particular is that the script is so solid that despite all the incredible visuals there is so much like context that they just mention and pass by that gives you so much visuals in your own mind which is like ridiculous like this is this is like, there's a dialogue line where they, I think Barbara says, uh, Commissioner Gordon, my father at the time, and uh, Batman and I buried the Joker in the grounds of Arkham in secret. And like, that's just dialogue. <laughs> like, it's yeah. so dense and so meaty. And that whole flashback scene is just crazy. But the, that scene where the Joker. Like everyone, like the whole bit where like people are saying this interaction between Bruce and Joker um, is the best in Justice League. I'm like that whole moment in the theater when he's playing movies, and then Joker like this is how you really show the Joker mocking Bruce about his parents. Is that bit where it's like behind all the sturm and batarangs, you're just a, a child in a place suit crying for mummy and daddy, and he goes, "Yeah, um, I'd laugh if it wasn't so perfect." Oh, what the heck, I'll laugh anyway. Like, and then you get the punch. Like that is how you do it. That is the fuck. That, that to me character. stands as, and again, Mark Hamill, but it stands as one of the best Joker moments ever up there with also from animated series uh, with the, with the, um, what do you call it? I'm trying to remember. <laughs> the eulogy. Eulogy is the word I'm looking for. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, Wait, are you saying that the moment in the Snyder cut where Jared Little says, a mother or a father? Wasn't dramatic enough for you. Adopted son. No. Or a dog. Or a cape. Or a father. God, it's like it's like he. It's like they were like, okay, let's reinvent you, Jared. And then he was like, bat cow. Yeah, it's like he's like, let's reinvent it. Let's not do the the pseudo hip hop gangster Joker that we tried in Suicide Squad. And then it's like. Leto's like, well, the only other, the only other iteration I have is a poor man's Heath Ledger. Like that's what it really felt like. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, the yeah. the Batman eulogy with the the dear friends. Today is the day that the clown cried. That so will good. always be just like the writing that they were able to do and how they were able to just let them go crazy with their performances is just unreal. Return of the Joker, I still think is is Hamill's best performance as the Joker. That scene where he, he like, we get to see behind his facade because that's what people think yeah. about the Joker is just this weird, funny clown. He's not. He's a horrible person. That's the point. And when Terry gets behind his skin and starts mocking him for not making Batman laugh, yeah. and you can see him getting like angry, like that's not funny. It's so good. Yeah, that was great. Uh, I, I would say it's for me it's that movie, that movie or Arkham City. I think I think that the the act, the third act of Arkham City, when it all when it's all going to shit, 
with Al Ghul and then the final conversation. That whole game is very quotable. Very quotable. Yeah. Take a look I at my blood, for example. I wish somebody would. This stuff's killing yeah. me. <laughs> uh, and then he sings. Oh, in Arkham Knight. Oh, the singing is so creepy. My God. Oh, which one? The singing in Arkham City or Arkham Knight? Because Arkham Knight's song the Arkham City is one of my favorites. Yeah. That was the thing I put because everyone's posting the other day the like the mocking quote tweets of the um the best Joker scene. Yeah. And I posted the um Remember in Arkham City. I killed your girl. So pretty. <laughs> oh, um, goodness, yeah. That whole song is just great. Your parents are dead and I can't stop laughing. <laughs> <laughs> that whole bit of Jason Todd in yeah. Arkham Knight is pretty fucking fucked up too for me i'm looking when he, when back he says, at my oh, sorry okay. when he says um he's like so jason tell me who is the bat and he goes yes sir it's and he just shoots him and goes never good standard tattletale yeah <laughs> i mean it's just i mean I, I put you know batman i put the the whole stuff with tim drake kid joker uh i put in Death of the Family, which I think is a very underrated storyline. That's uh, great. Because it comes after Court of Owls, which I think obviously rightfully gets a ton of attention, but Death of is just phenomenal. The whole court of Batman and the dinner with you know, where he yeah. serves them all the faces, like that's Ugh. amazing. Uh, Arkham City. And honestly, we'll get to this when we do Lego, but the whole like Joker's realization that they are not an exclusive relationship <laughs> is so good. Like just the whole like you're are you are you fighting other people? And Batman's like I <laughs> fight around. <laughs> like that's so good. And Harley Quinn. I, I think ben, I, I hate how oh, sorry. forgotten Batman Lego has become. Like I saw that movie too many times in theaters. Uh but also like I have like all the minifigs too. Like I I loved that movie. Yeah, it's fantastic. It's, yeah, ridiculous. I don't know what's happening with those films now, because I know that they're not owned by Warner Brothers anymore, so... I don't yeah. know if the Lego, Lego Wolf still be a thing. The Lego, Lego Movie 2 is really bad, so... <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, like, I just think that there's so much that Batman the Animated Series has done for the comics in general. I mean... I mean, it gave us th- these characters that had never been in the comics before that are now worldwide successes you got harley quinn straight out of the animated mm-hmm. series yeah uh in fact we saw the trailer who, for suicide who, squad yesterday so who else came from the animated series uh, did montoya come from the animated series too yes i want to say you're right yeah i want to say that's correct uh also uh you mentioned before andrea is now pretty much a character in the comics I really, really want uh, Matt Reeves to do Andrea Beaumont in his movies because I just feel like bringing Bruce back to not exactly year one, but year two, as he's calling it, where he's testing this criminological experiment. I think that, <laughs> you know, if, if you're going to have any lingering connections to his past, you know, to sort of play up the fact that there's like all these women in, in Bruce's life with someone who is sort of like a young sort of like ex heartthrob, like a Pattinson. If you played it up with Zoe Kravitz and just got like 
amazing actress and amazing actress, amazing actress playing Andrea Beaumont, Silver St. Cloud, Talia Al Ghul, and just like did all of them. I think it'd be really cool. It's just that scene yeah. from Batman Beyond when he's like looking through his lost loves and like his Google and he's like flicking through and it's like, that girl, <laughs> Lois Lane. Yeah, yeah. Uh, no. <laughs> oh no. Ruined that movie. The killing joke. I hate it. Oh god. Oh yeah, no. It's it's uh it's not great. It's I, not remember, great. I remember when Bruce <laughs> Tim was like we need to get a bit more backstory about Barbara, so we're going to include this really cool opening sequence. It's like we're going to put like a pre a prelude about him fucking. <laughs> and it's like a, I think there was like a meme at the time where it was like a Pornhub, and it says forty year old man fucks his best friend's daughter on a on a seal, like a roof. God, <laughs> I can't find that. Yeah, I mean that's his. I mean, so that goes to what we were saying, where you know the animated universe is, is probably the, the best and you know I, I do include the arkham games in that but then you have this other subcategory of random direct i can say the direct to video but that's not a thing um anymore uh a lot of these home video animated films that are in in no way connected to each other they change up everything for every every movie uh and i honestly i think like the last one that i watched that i enjoyed was the Ninja Turtle one, to be honest with you. Because I really didn't like what they did with Hush. I didn't like what they did with Killing Joke. And it's not even like a matter of like how they change things up. Like the revelation of who Hush is, that didn't bug me. I just didn't think it was that great. Yeah, yeah I think we'll get into this, obviously, because it's out of the purview a little bit of the, uh, like the 2004. But we will get to this at some point. I think the best live animated ad- adaptation is still... Um, is still definitely the Dark Knight Returns with um, with Weather as Bruce Wayne. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I'm trying to think about what other, what other note like thoughts I have with the, those first four films. I mean, I, I think there was a period of time where I would get hyped up and excited for every time these movies were coming out, and then I would see these movies a million times in theaters. And then I would move on to something else. Uh, and I'm just thinking about like the pleasant memories I had of those theater going experiences. And I think like the summer I remember the most was 95 was when Batman, uh, Ret- Batman forever came out. Um, I saw that movie so many times, but you know, it's a movie I can go back and watch now. And I feel like there was a period of time, maybe when I was like a teenager where I was like, this isn't a good Batman. But now I'm just like, oh, this movie's beautiful and gorgeous and soundtrack really slaps, as the kids say. And, you know, I just really enjoy... I think, if anything, what the Schumacher movies did a lot better than the Burton films were that it really brought in the locale where I made that joke earlier that the first two Burton movies, they really relied heavily on, like, the three sets they built and they made everything <laughs> take place in those sets. But, yeah. you know, Forever and Batman and Robin, they're, like, all over the place. They're, you know, in museums. They're, yeah, neon everywhere. They're, like, like as weird as those Batmobile chasings are on giant uh, muscle guys, like, at least we're seeing multiple layers of Gotham City, you know. Even the inclusion of... Uh, you know, random background characters like freaking what's your name? Who uh, the uh, gossip Gertie? Like, 
it was nice to see like some kind of expansion to the cities. I mean, I think Batman and Robin was like the worst because you say all Taco Bell get frozen, but you know, Batman Forever, I think, really kind of had that perfect vibe to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. And I feel like they did a good job balancing the characters too. I mean, even with having two villains, I feel like they did a good job with both Two Face and the Riddler. Yeah, I think so. Um, Two Face is very, you know, the behind the scenes drama. We talked about it when we did the commentary, but it's ridiculous. <laughs> um, oh, yeah. Oh, about Tommy Lee Jones hating Jim Carrey. Yeah, what's that quote he said again? I think we. <sighs> oh, I can't remember off the top we'll of get, my head. We'll get back into it, but it's, it's absolutely ridiculous. Another film was that. T- I mean. Sorry, another film that was kind of released at the same time, straight to DVD, was uh, and again links to the animated show, which I think is an underrated film. Is Mystery of the Batwoman? Do you remember that one? Which one is this? Which one? Mystery of the Batwoman. Oh, yeah. oh I never saw that. It was a uh, I had it on DVD. I I loved it. Um, so it, the plot is basically Batwoman arrives on the scene and nobody knows who she is. And him and Robin have got to try and find out. Um, is that with Cassandra Kane? Is that woman? It's not or somebody else. Kane. There is. Well, it's mystery of the Batwoman, so I won't spoil too much. But there is um, <gasps> mysterious Batwoman. Um, but I don't think any of the. I don't think many any of the characters are. It's like it's not really the Batwoman from the comics. Mm-hmm. It's not. Yeah, it's not like there's a Kate Kane at all in it. But yeah, the, the, they sort there, of there is their own original thing. There is continuity into it, which is like Bruce is dating um, Barbara. Dick has left Gotham to be Nightwing in Bloodhaven, um, and Robin and Batgirl are much older than they were in the new Batman Adventures, but have not yet obviously reached Return of the Joker. Uh, the characters that sort of return are obviously uh, Commissioner Gordon, Harvey Bullock, Batman. Alfred, Rupert Fawn is back, uh, Barbara Gordon, uh, Penguin, and Bane. And Bullock, of course. I'm going to have to go back and watch a lot of these, because I know they're all on I think HBO Plus now. Or HBO Max, whatever the hell it's called. Yeah, definitely check it out. It's, I think it's really underrated. One of my favorite scenes from it, I think... Is it? Is it? I don't know if it's this one or not. I oh, know it's actually. I'm thinking of actually the, uh, the the world's finest crossover, which is the scene where Bruce goes to Lex Luthor's house and then that bodyguard he beat up like before walks in, and then he sees Batman <laughs> closes the door and the guy's like, "Is anyone in there?" He's like, "Nope," and <laughs> just walks away. <laughs> uh, I yeah, I wanted to rewatch that. It's not online, so good times. I need to rewatch that stuff. Like I said, I'm, I'm in the middle of rewatching Justice League Unlimited. I really like that run. That yeah, that again, Justice League was a great continuation of the, this whole stories. Um, I really like mm-hmm. the look of the Joker in uh, Return of the Joker and Justice League, where it's like a, a mix a mix match of what worked in both BTAS and the New Batman Adventures. Those shark eyes, those black eyes. 
I lo- I love it. Like I yeah. like the yeah. I like the mixture of the looks though, where it's like he's got the white eyes again, and but he's got like the darker lips and a bit less square. Yeah, I, I'm all for like. Uh, I think what I liked about those series too was like getting some of the weirder, random question characters, like the question and stuff in it. And I'm also like a very big Zatanna fan, so I'm excited for anything that comes her way. She's great. Um, yeah, I guess what we should wrap up by sort of talking about the core material itself, which is the comic books. Have you guys got any favorite comic books from 1989 to 2004? Um, I mean, I, I think that the problem is that you remember runs and then you try to remember the exact years that they were in to see if they come in that purview. But yeah, well, you, you can tell me, okay, I, I think I'm, some. Yeah, like I was, I was gonna throw out like some of like the Tim Drake Red Robin stuff before New Fifty Two, but I think that that's still later. That's like that's later, in the early 2009, yeah. 10. Um, yeah, I, I mean, like, weird, oh, go ahead. I feel weird saying it that I think my favorite Batman comics from those time period, from that specific time period, was uh, the animated adventures, which mm. you know brought us stuff like Mad Love and stuff. Mm-hmm. I, to be honest with you, I feel. I'm not a comic, a huge comic fan of that time period because I feel like that was that weird 90s. Like, I never got into. Like, like Asriel, Nightfall. Like, yeah, oh, I, yeah, I tried and I just wasn't like where everybody has like tons of pouches and it just like, and I feel like they were being really weird around time, especially with Batman. That's when they were doing like the Elseworld, like Legends, like, you know, Batman's a pirate. Batman's a caveman, like yeah. that weird shit. And like, I just wasn't, I didn't get back into comics for at least the Batman world until like the 2005. Like when Paul Dini came back to write detective comics, I really love those runs. But like before that, like in the 90s, like I think the best stuff that came from it was stuff that, you know, I mean, Paul Dini wrote some of it, but it was other writers. But I think the, the Batman animated adventures comics were really good and i think they fell under the radar radar a lot because they were advertised as kid comics they had like the big fox kids logo on it and they seen i think they were like cheaply made too like they weren't as like nice um and they were treated as like kid fodder and like out of toys r us like tie-ins yeah yeah but but i think some of i think that's where the best stuff was yeah, some of the best stories, like, I mean, Mad Love, you know, is one, but, like, thinking about, you know, the the Barbara story where she fights Clayface at a department store during Christmas. Like, that's fun. That's great. Um, and, like, a lot of that stuff was ended up being brought into the animated, you know, animated yeah. series where they just drew, they just animated it. But, I mean, I, I think that, that would have to be my, because, like, I just wasn't a fan of a lot of that 90s stuff. Um I think they were just like trying too hard to do something different. I also just hated the art. <laughs> and like, honestly, I mean, it depends on who did it, but a lot of weird stuff back then. What about yeah. you, Alden? Yeah. Yeah, I love that answer. I, I agree that a lot of that stuff is super strong. And obviously, animated tie ins uh, remains to be a strong point throughout the Batman history. 
I look back on that era and I sort of think more about comics necessarily that maybe Batman was in more so that focus on him because I I agree that some of the core Batman storylines like Nightfall and like No Man's Land like those things aren't necessarily for me but like a big one that I go to is you know like when JLA would feature him heavily like Tower of Babel you know like that's one of those mm-hmm. stories that is a Batman story um, in the Mark Wade JLA run um, I also go to Batman uh, and I believe and Superman both appearing in um, Kevin Smith's like Green Arrow Quiver which was then followed up by the Brad Meltzer run, like a lot of that stuff um, that that 2000s DC sort of resonates with me. Etrigan was in that stuff. Um, so I liked Batman sort of as a, as a solo player around that era. And I think that I got more back on with him as a solo book uh, a little bit later in the 2000s when Grant sort of picked up the book and when, uh, Stephanie Brown was Batgirl and when all that stuff was going yeah, on. Yeah, I, re- I really liked when uh, Spoiler was Batgirl. Uh, yeah. I'm looking at uh, I'm looking at my comics like on my bookshelves and I'm just like I can't find anything that really kind of fits that time period. I think it's either like the 80s and then 2000s. Like I don't really well, see anything that jumps out at me. My favorite, or one of my favorite all-time Batman stories, as you know, Alden, is The Long Halloween. Oh yeah, oh, was that, which was was that during that time period? Ninety six to ninety seven, maybe. Let me just double check. Nice. Really, I always thought that was the late eighties. Yeah, no, that was ninety six to ninety seven. Um, well, that, I choose is, that one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, Tim Sell and Jeff Loeb are like the ultimate team. I, for the same reasons, I love Burton and his sensibilities. Tim Sell's Batman art is my favorite. Because it's just so weird, and it and people complain it's like, oh, it looks too weird. I'm like, well, that's the point. Like, I just love mm-hmm. his Joker. The way his face doesn't make sense, like, <laughs> realistically, but it's just so creepy. I love that whole storyline. Obviously, if you don't, if you love the Dark Knight, you have to love the Long Halloween. I don't know how you can't. Um, the Arkham games are so influenced that- by that as well. Is that why you like the big ears? Is from that long Halloween? Yes, yes. That, I love his long ears. I love the, the bulky sense that it doesn't make sense. Catwoman's costume from that is my favorite Catwoman costume. The purple. Yeah. Oh god, I forgot. Catwoman in Rome was that time period. The same people, right? Mm. Yeah. Dark Victory came yeah, out afterwards, which I think people. It's very uh, I, repetitive, but I still like it because I love his Robin. Yeah. No. Yeah. Those were those were great, and I yeah. I'm excited to see um, if the Long Halloween is very because I'm trying to figure out what the Batman is about because it seems like there's some Long Halloween stuff yeah. with like Maroni and all that, and then there's also seems to be Court of Owls stuff. So I'm like, oh man, they're going all out with stuff that could be interesting. So running my hands in excitement. I yeah. That's why I think that. Spider-Man and Batman, who were my favorite characters growing up, work could work the best in a televised format. Yeah. Yeah. Because I feel like the drawn-out story might work better. But yeah, it's interesting. Also Hush. We have to talk about Hush. Yeah. God, Hush I didn't even is... think about it. There, maybe yeah. there was a lot of stuff I liked. <laughs> yeah, now that you're naming these. Like, Hush is interesting, where I think that 
it's remembered, I think, being a little bit better than it is. Because um, the thing with Hush is that, like, it's just such an all-star, like, powerhouse book. You know, like, Loeb, Lee, like, it looks gorgeous. He gets to draw everything. Like, it really works right. uh, on that sort of event level. Um, but I do, I think the story holds up the best, not necessarily, um, but I, I do think that Hush is like, I've always described it. It's kind of like a popcorn flick. Like it's just, it's a really good, just the, the like appetizer board, a little bit of everything sort of thing. Yeah. And that's a, go, a, a great way to explain it. Um, can you still hear me? I think my things. No, you're good. Okay. Uh, I'm going to take this out actually. Hold on. Um, but yeah, I, I feel like Hush was exciting because it was something new and a little bit more unique at the time. And with, you know, Jim Lee being involved and this was not far off the nineties, like he was still an all-star. Um, but I think once the, you know, spoilers, once you, the, the surprise of Thomas Elliott being out there, it was, it, it, yeah, it's really hard to go back and read. Like I, I think it's it, it, as a one by one issue for a 12 issue run. I think it would be a lot better, but going back and reading the graphic novel, it kind of just feels like all over the place. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's still good. I mean, if anything, you get, you can draw back on that beautiful uh, Jim Lee artwork. And I really right. enjoyed the interesting things. And I think that Hush did. is one of those characters, you know, the whole Tommy Elliott thing. Again, like retrospect is hard for the book, but I think that if anyone out there, any filmmaker, you know, like if Reeves introduces Tommy Elliott in this first movie and kills him and it doesn't get paid off until the third or maybe even fourth, I think that could be so effective. Yeah. Really let audiences forget about him. You know, it could be great. Yeah, that'd be great. Well, I mean, I guess that's why they made it different in the animated movie. Yeah. Oh, the animated movies are bullseye. Isn't it? He's Riddler, right? Yeah, it's it is making Riddler. Like I, I yeah. one thing I really liked about Hush was the revelation that Riddler was involved highly with it, and he knew who Batman was, but it wasn't, you know. Well, I think the, the quote was like, "What what good is a riddle, riddle where everyone knows the the punchline or answer to, and it's worthless?" So. That was uh, I thought they answer. Yeah, I think my final answer to um I think to go to Alden's point about a Batman story that isn't necessarily a Batman story. Um I really love the New Frontier by Darwin Cook. Ooh. Yeah. That scene where yeah, he's good. like in... And that's a great animated movie. It's a very good animated movie. The scene where he texts the cult and like it shows the changes in his costume, and he says, "The Martian Manhunter, mm-hmm. all I need to take you out is a, a matchbook, and Penny." <laughs> it's like, oh, yeah, God damn, no, that's hilarious. It's so good. Yeah, I like that a lot. Um, that's really strong. So overall, what do you what do you think is the? I guess like, the aftermath of, the Burton Schumacher films. How would you say? these films left the character of Batman before like I think what it was it wasn't it didn't even make it that far what it like but as you were explaining all the projects that were being worked on and it wasn't coming to be 
I feel like it just says a lot about the film industry during the late nineties and early two thousands where they were trying to reinvent stuff to kind of fit into that weird themed market. And Mm. I think, where they were trying to reinvent stuff. Like I think X-Men is a good example of that film where, you know, where is like Batman and Batman returned was a little bit more literal on the comic book stuff. You know, X-Men proved that like, Oh man, they're not going to wear yellow spandex. It's leather this time. Like, and I feel like studios were like, well, maybe we could do that. You know, like, the daredevils of the world and the fantastic four is not a good example, but you you know what I mean? Where they were trying to figure out where these films belong to in the early two thousands atmosphere. It's true. I mean like the legacy business wise, like you're saying is trepidation, you know, because we, we had, we'd seen it reach unprecedented heights. You know, I wasn't around in 89, but you hear the stories of summer 89 and, and everyone's just talking about it like, you know, probably post Return of the Jedi pre Phantom Menace. That was probably the most fever pitch thing, you know, like people, you know, going to the going to their barber and getting the bat symbol cut into the side of their hair. Like just it, it was nuts, apparently, I mean, you know, that you hear. But then it also reached low lows where it's like you saw a franchise crash and burn in the same way that the Christopher Reeves Superman crashed and burned. So it, it was sort of like the second punch in a one two punch combination of losing faith but so that's the business side of it but creatively i think the legacy of burton schumacher is uh autorship might be a strong word but just like allowing allowing the work to sort of just like drip in tone like just allowing it to just feel like i like i don't i think that there's a direct line spiritually between something like burton batman and like james gunn on guardians or now James Gunn on Suicide Squad, where it's like they just let that man just do his thing. And I think that a lot of that sort of has to pay because Richard Donner's Superman is him doing Superman. It's not Richard Donner's version of Superman. It's it's pretty much universally agreed upon as Superman. Whereas Burton and Schumacher, they were doing the first, this is my version of X, Y, or Z. And I think that's what we're seeing now. Um, with a lot of these films, you know, we, we dunk on the Snyder verse a lot, but no one can ever argue the fact that it is, um, driven by what he wants and likes. And that that comes from Burton in a lot of ways. And I think timing had a lot to do with it too, because you look at the eighties and it's phenomenal. All the, um, blockbusters or classics you have in that span of 10 years, you know, you think about the Spielbergs and the Lucases of it all, but like there's so many amazing classic pop culture films. And I feel like a lot of people, um, moviegoers, were really starting to dive into that. And this is this is a post Jaws world. You know, we're, we're going to a movie was an event. And I think um, around like the 95, like you can tell there was a major shift from what movies were in the 80s to what they became in the 90s. And I think definitely in the mid 90s, um, like things became a little bit more cynical, a little bit more edgy. And, um, you know, action movies like, I don't know, like Bad Boys or anything done by Michael Bay is more of like what's making money. But when they're trying to make like a comic book, like Batman movie, it just didn't fit with 
the 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 current market of of film goers and and films in theaters they really kind of didn't match and um i mean you still had movies like men in black uh and all that they did well but i think people were looking for fresh new ideas and that kind of like helped educate them what they were trying to do in the early 2000s where they're like okay we need to kind of make batman for this era It, it, it you know for lack of a better term like it they were trying to poochie him from the simpsons where they're like what can we do to freshen batman up for today's youth and um i'm lucky that nolan was the one who got to do it because he didn't go so far out but yeah i i'm definitely ready for a, a new theatrical um invention of batman right now yeah and i think retrospectively i think the whole 9 11 of it all yeah. I, I don't know if you could have Bane being played by a wrestler going bomb um, and going, this is Batman. Like there was this weird atmosphere obviously around everything, but yeah, I think that's pretty much all we've got time for this time around. I think we've done a pretty good deep dive into everything that sort of came out of that era. And I think we're now ready to dive into this new era of Batman in terms of the Nolan trilogy. So DJ, thank you so much for coming on. Yeah, thanks for letting me ramble and go off track a lot. I have a lot oh, of no, we, we love that. <laughs> yeah, that's what we're I never about. get to talk due to what I do for a living. Nobody ever cares about what I think about Batman, so it's very exciting to talk about it. So it's nice to uh, share views with people who feel the same way I do. Absolutely. Uh, where can people find you? And you got anything to plug? Uh, I. I Nothing I'm allowed to talk about right now. I am under many NDAs. Um, no, uh, you know, as you mentioned up close, I am an artist for Disney Wonderground. Um, I have pieces out at the Disney theme parks. Um, when they're not sold out, my piece right now, unfortunately, is. Um, but hopefully they'll get it back in stock. But yeah, you can just find me at DJ Clulo. I made it very easy just in case I ever became famous. I didn't have to buy my name back. Um, <laughs> But I'm on there. Uh, right now, it's a, an account where I talk about my cat most of the time. But every once in a while, I'll put my art up um, when I'm not working on stuff uh, I can't show you right now. So, uh, Also, follow Star Wars. At Star Wars, heard of it? <laughs> I do that. <laughs> small small indie property. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, uh, I'm there. I'm following on Twitter and chat about Batman. Perfect. Auden. Are you excited to dive into the next stage, next season of this show? Oh, hell yeah. I mean, I'm just excited to, you know, every time that you revisit Nolan, and then we're a little bit further and further away. And I don't say this is a dig on the man at all, but Nolan from begins to, you know, maybe rises interstellar was kind of a god. Like he was really... He was on his 80s Spielberg streak of just like people you say his name and it was like hushed tones like, oh, Nolan, my God, Inception, like the prestige, the dark night. Now, Nolan, he's he's a little bit of a human now. You know, he's been a little bit humanized. He's taken his bumps in the media with, you know, his by, position. By he's stupidity. been humbled you know, by stupidity, by Dunkirk, you know, which some people love. But, you know, mixed reception there, mixed reception on Tenet um box office you know tenant was the one that took the bullet really for the industry um so now we we sort of look back on those with a little bit of like 
no, we've got our Affleck and our Robert Pattinson. Like, you know, maybe you're not so perfect. You know, like I remember Kevin Smith making a joke where he was like, Kevin Smith was talking about seeing Anne Hathaway's Catwoman for the first time. And he was like, I saw her on the motorcycle and she just didn't even have any, didn't even have cat costume, didn't even have any ears. And then she flipped the goggles up and it looked like ears. And I was like, oh, he's brilliant again. <laughs> like, he was like, at first I thought I had him like, oh, I see some chinks in the armor there, Chris. Uh, and then he's brilliant again. But now I, we really do see the chinks in the armor. So it'll be interesting to see that with a more critical eye. But also I have big nostalgia for a lot of that, especially um begins i really begins inches on being my number one a lot um well, we're very so close to, we're very close to one of our favorite lines in any of the batman movies do you want to go for it or should i <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah I, i'll be i'll be liam neeson and you could be the lady okay uh, okay okay um so what is it again Mr. Rez Al Ghoul. <laughs> that lady's phenomenal. Uh, so yeah, so we're looking forward to dissecting uh, Ken Watanabe as the decoy Roz when he probably <laughs> should have been the real Roz. Maybe not because both of both Japanese and white are both incorrect for that remember character. remember when they, they sold the figures? Oh, we'll get into this next week, but they sold the figures as <laughs> Roz Al Ghoul with and Ken, Ducard. And Ducard. <laughs> Who the fuck was yeah, and Hen- Ducard? Henry Ducard. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, yeah, so you could you could follow me uh, talking about all this and more at AD Strider on Twitter, A period, D period Strider on Instagram, talking Star Wars on Octo Radio, a Star Wars podcast. Um, got some fun guests coming up that I'm working on. And uh, Alex Backus from Black Series Rebels is coming on. Oh, um, hey, I know that. Guy. Yeah. Yeah, you've heard of him. Heard of him every now and then. Uh, he's coming on the show, uh, working on setting up some other things with some cool peoples. Um, and then uh, One and Done Film Club, where I believe when this is released, we will be right on the John Wick as our new podcast episode. So, yeah. Nice. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at CMWASHBY. You can see, check out my patron. I guess if you're listening to this, you're already on my patron. So, a bit of a weird plug. Um, you can also... <laughs> Check out my YouTube channel where we're doing a new show called Pond Division, which is the MCU podcast that I'm doing with our, my good friend Ash. And if you catch up by the time this comes out, you'll be able to hear Alden and our good friend Nikki talk about this latest episode of Falcon and the Winter Soldier. So yeah, check that out. That's all we got time for this week. But yeah, go on Twitter, search hashtag Batman Returned for any updates on the show. We'll be back very soon with season two when we kickstart off with 2005's Batman Begins but until then we'll be back same bat time same bat patron see ya <laughs>